we're on. <laughs> and welcome back to Old Ute Radio. I'm Johnny McKeon. With me in studio, my friend and yours, Mr. Doom and Gloom himself, Sasha Bloom. I dedicated that song to you, sir. I appreciate your love, your kindness, and your sentiment, sir. Yeah, not a problem. Sasha. Hey, by the way, go F yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those days, people. <laughs> oh, Doom and Gloom is in full effect. You know I'm joking, sir. No, nah, he is. It's, <laughs> Sasha, it's, <laughs> I can only imagine that right now it, our lives seem so tumultuous. Like, we have so much going on between, you know, the new semester starting, me starting my new job, like... Life's pretty crazy, you know. You you're with the Pac-12. It's uh. I think I am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm working tomorrow and Saturday, but I have no idea what time. Yeah. Thanks for calling me back, people. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's uh it's interesting. Like I've I've gone through like uh, a wide range of emotions just this past week. I uh, I found out I didn't get into the Warner Brothers program. Bummer. Yeah, it really you know and it at first I was really devastated, you know. Sure. Like I was way bummed out, but then. You know, I looked at the numbers, over a thousand people, an additional thousand people applied this year than last year. Wow. And it's like, it was interesting seeing that exponential growth and seeing how I was kind of bumped out of the top percentage by that. It was very humbling and it it just made me want to work harder. It's important to work hard. Yeah. Or when you work, like, so one of the biggest problems I see in my world, like, is people telling me that they're working hard but they're working too fast, so everything yeah. is mediocre that's yeah. produced. Yeah. Jack of all trade, master of none, a little too sloppy. Yeah. Or a little bit too under the gun. Yeah, or just, I don't know what it is, but it's like we were talking earlier. It's like I've spent my last two and a half years fighting to get into media, right? Trying to get a career, get a respectable name. I think I've done that more than most people my age. And I really am thinking about walking away. Mm-hmm. Not not because I don't love what I do. It's just the incompetence, the the schedules that people are on, working 16 hours a day, not yeah. being able to remember anything because they're underpaid and don't have staffing. Because I guarantee you if the person I'm working with at the Pac-12 or people at ABC had a secretary or yeah. a receptionist, stuff would get done. Well, see, that's what that's and that's the cost you pay with like budget cuts and with cutting back and with like a lack of funding is efficiency goes way down. Yeah. Like the numbers are, are directly linked. That's one of the things like I learned in economics, like if you don't have the money, like your efficiency, like that's what you pay for. You pay for efficiency. It is something that you should budget for. You know, you should budget for these positions to make sure that you stay efficient. Yeah. Cuz it's so easy to run off the rails. Stunningly. Yeah, it is. In an instant. Yeah. So did you get a letter from the Warner Brothers? I got an email. An email. It's even worse. Last year I got this nice letter, Warner Brothers, you know, like all handwritten Uh and like, you're wonderful, but you're just not quite good enough. This one, I got an email. Eh. (laughs) That's what they got. They might as well have just said meh. They were just like. (laughs) (laughs) Did uh, Sarah, did she advance? No, we both didn't. Locked out. Yeah. From the same script that they Uh, We both wrote two scripts. We both wrote a script each. And we, well, we, we. we, we we both turned in a script under our name, but we we're writing partners, so we wrote both of them. Uh-huh. So we both we co-wrote two scripts together. Yeah, um, we did well. We just didn't do well enough, and it was a stiffer competition this year. You know, an extra thousand people, like it's tough enough to beat out two thousand people. It's hard to beat out three. Did they give you any advice? Um, no, just reapply next year. 
Well, that's pretty, helpful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's fine, though, because, you know, like writing is a process, and I do plan on resubmitting next year. I've already started, you know, thinking about ideas for Did the next script I'm going to do. Have you, and maybe it's too new, have you figured out why it didn't work? Yeah, actually I have. I've gone over it. I've looked over it. Um, some of my uh, scene directions, like I, I was missing crucial transitions from between scenes. Like transitions are so important. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I noticed like I, I was missing some uh, some crucial transitions. You know, there wasn't too many typos, like nothing really like major uh-huh. in that end. But it's just, you know, it just it could be better. It can always be better, you know. Like I only got to do four drafts when really you should do ten. You should do ten drafts on any script that you do. Just in general. What what is the rule everything can be written better? Yeah. I mean it took I'm not completely right on the number, but it either took 15 or 20 years for Hemingway to write. Mm -hmm. uh, was it From Whom the Bells? Yeah, me? yeah. You know, it's... <laughs> it took him 10 years to write everything. Yeah, like yeah. same with Great Gatsby took 21 drafts over like 12 years. And that's the stunning thing that you see, whether it's local news, national news, whether it's weekly sitcoms. The reason why the ratings don't work is because they rush... The mm -hmm. most crucial elements, which is the engineering, production, and writing. Yeah. And they're rushed because they pay for ABC National pays uh, their head male anchor, Stephanopoulos, $8 million a year. Yeah. He's not an $8 million a year talent. He's a hard worker. Mm hmm But you could, he could live fine off $2.5 million. Yeah. And you could spread the rest of it and have TAs and have TDs and have PDs and everything else, like... In the golden era of television, your newsroom in news there's a reason why there's twelve or fifteen seats in that news yeah. control room, and there's two people in there, yeah. plus an audio guy running news. I mean, shoot, when what we expect when we went to was is it KUER that's over here where yeah. they do the Empire? Yeah, when we saw Dan Bombas, yeah. he does it all himself. Yeah, with cancer, everything. With yeah, cancer. Yeah, he doesn't have an assistant. He doesn't have anyone helping him out. No, they got the. You know, I want to be careful here because yeah. it's not my duty. Well, to yeah, say we're anything. not bashing it. It's just this no, is the way the industry's going, and there's yeah. no practical reason. Like they tell me, there's a lot of pundits, fake smart people that say it's the internet's the new wave. Mm -hmm. No, because if I want to watch a 34 second clip on Yahoo, I have to watch a 35 second commercial. Yep. Guess who's not watching either of them? Mm -hmm. This guy. Yeah. And well, segmentation now, like they just they go after their core audience. They don't really. There's no such thing as mass marketing anymore. You know, like there's no, there's no like one size fits all approach. Now it's all about segmentation. You you gear right towards your audience. You figure out who they are, and you just I don't want to say pander, but you cater yeah. to that specific audience. And I heard from this was on the O and A show yesterday, so mm. I'm not stealing it. But they go, how come local news hasn't changed its format in 50 years? How come it's the same news show every single day? There's no creativity. Mm -hmm. the anchors talk fake. The yep. way they communicate with each other is the fakest form of talk I've ever seen in my entire life. And you go into new sport radio now. The only place you're safe is in political radio. Mm -hmm. And you're barely safe. And Yeah. And even then your hands are tied. Yeah. And podcasting doesn't work because the production stinks. And we can do it. Mark Mira, his production stinks. Joe Rogan's stinks. 
The only one I've heard that's good is ONAs because they're at a serious satellite and they have their professional producers. They got a million dollar studio. Yeah, Uh but it's just they have an editor, someone who can edit. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can go on any of these local radio stations and their promos stink. You know, you know what? This is a result of this is a result of the DIY economy. The DIY DIY do it yourself. Like everything we do, everything now is do it yourself, you know. And like we have the availability, we have the technology, but the skill hasn't caught up, you know. Like I'm not, you know, like no, I'm, the, the skill is sitting unemployed in their house or working for eleven bucks an hour. Or I know this one man who I wish we'd be great friends if he wasn't having to work seventy-five hours a week to provide himself an income, mm-hmm. because companies screw him every day. And he's the first one there. He's the last one to leave. And he's in one market now, and he keeps that whole thing going. When he's not there, there's no promos. There's no interactive uh, segments going mm-hmm. on with the audience. It's dead. I, I don't understand, man. I, I'm i sorry that you uh, didn't get well, that, but... There's more. Yeah? So... I actually, like, I really thought about it, and I felt this way for a little while now. Okay. I feel like it's kind of a blessing. Because with everything I got going on right now, I don't really have either the funds or the time to go to L.A., you know, yep. once a week for all these meetings. Mm-hmm. And Sarah, she got a, a new job. Oh, she got that, it. Yeah, she got the Yeah, Sarah was going after this job. I can't really explain too much of the details yet. They still have to finalize paperwork, but the job is hers. Nice. And it's a great job for a great, a huge, actually, multimedia company. Mm-hmm. They're, they're flying her out to New York and Phoenix. Like, it's the real deal, you know? And I, I, that's all I can that? say. But what? How fun is that? But she'll be moving back to Salt Lake City. Hooray. No more confused and lonely Johnny. No, no more long, <laughs> di- no more LTRs. No more long distance <laughs> relationships for me. Phone bill goes down a little bit. Oh, yeah. yeah. Stress goes down. Less drop calls. I call yeah. her on cricket. <laughs> I have to call her back 10 times a night. It's ridiculous. It's funny. <laughs> she, sometimes she doesn't even just call me back. She's just like, forget it. It's not worth talking to him. <laughs> cricket. <laughs> it doesn't even work in the poor areas. Like, I live in the hood, and it doesn't even work there. <laughs> it doesn't even work in Taylorsville or West Valley. It's like, this is your market. <laughs> this is the people who buy the phones. Why isn't the service better? <laughs> <laughs> so what else is going on with you, good sir? Oh man, everything. So yeah, I've been. Uh, I've been. A, what do you mean by everything? Everything's going on. <laughs> everything. everything. It's an amazing <laughs> life. Is a challenge. It's exciting. You know, we're going through transitions. This show is evolving. You're going to see, you know, a very different show over the next couple coming weeks. Like we're taking the show to the next level. I'm really excited about that. Yeah. You know, I really feel, you know, like we can make a difference with this show now. You know. We're starting to. Guess who I might be getting in studio when they come oh. back to North America? Groundation. I don't know who that is. That reggae group oh. that I always play. Coming back to North America? <laughs> <laughs> when they're on this side of the continent, we're yeah. going to have them come by. Like, yeah. what? No, Coming back to big, North America. Who talks like that? Uh, <laughs> That's educa- hilarious. Educated people, sir. Yeah, they're, they're coming back to the continent. <laughs> Flying over the Atlantic. No, they're on a European tour, including awesome. France, Germany, Italy, uh, Prague. Oh, Europe loves reggae. Yeah. Loves it. Mom makes me watch a... My mama, she's Jamaican, and uh, 
<laughs> She'll make me uh, watch just Bob Marley documentaries. <laughs> She'll watch them at like two in the morning, just all night. Uh-huh. And like she made me sit. She said, "Look, look, this is Germany, and it's just packed full of white people dancing to reggae." There's nothing funnier. There is nothing funnier on earth than white people dancing to reggae. Like when I see it, it it just it warms my soul. It just it makes me realize, yeah, it is all right. You know, everything is gonna be all right. <laughs> there is one love, you know. <laughs> I got a, a VIP pass to the Jimmy Cliff concert coming up here pretty soon. I don't. He's a one of the most famous old school reggae guys in the oh, world. Oh, nice. Yeah, nice. Being someone's trying to convince me to start working in music. Yeah. Yeah. Well, would you? Uh, is that you know in the future? It's a but lot of drugs in that culture, man. Yeah. And the worst thing. Like, I don't mind if people do drugs, but I hate when people do drugs and they have a job to do and mm-hmm. I have to work with them. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think I would, but I might, I'd be fun to check out. I've worked on music sets before. I used, yeah. I, uh, used to, when I was in high school, I built sets for uh, Jackson Brown. Is that another reggae person? <laughs> Jackson Brown is one of the most successful musicians in the last, I don't know, 100 years. No idea. Yeah, no idea. No idea. No. All right. I'll, I'm going to be doing some dueling. I'm going to YouTube right now and going to play you some Jackson Brown. Yeah, sure. So what else is going on? You so much. You said you had something about ABC. Yeah, uh, so I've been working at ABC now for a little under a month. Uh, about a month. Just yeah. about a month? Yeah, I got two paychecks. So. Uh, the fourth, that weekend of the yeah. fourth was so, yeah. Yeah, it's been a month. Yeah, I got two checks, so it's and been a month. I haven't fired you. That's good. No, I think they like me. Uh, mm-hmm. No, I'm doing well. I've really enjoyed it. I... So if you type in Jackson, uh-huh. you get Jackson 5, and then the second one is Jackson Brown. Oh. <laughs> right? Oh, okay. <laughs> what about Samuel Jackson? Ooh. He's pretty popular on YouTube. <laughs> Where's all the Nick Fury quotes? <laughs> Snakes on the plane. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've been working at ABC now for uh, about four weeks, and it's amazing. Like, I learn something new every day. I love my job. Like, I, I'm genuinely happy to be there. I don't go in it thinking, you know, like, ugh, I have to go to work. You know, I'm like, hey, I got to go to work. I'm making a lot of friends there. I, uh, yeah, everyone's nice. It's cool. And you know what, man? You used to talk about, you know, being part of broadcasting. And I always used to kind of just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, old man Sasha <laughs> talking about broadcasting. Because, like, my, my major didn't, doesn't have too many broadcasting elements to it. Uh-huh. You know, I only took, like, you know, a handful of classes in and broadcasting. That's all I did. Yeah. yeah. And, you, and so now that I'm there, it is really special. Yeah. To work in the news. It's the, satisfying. It's got a real magic to it, you know? And it's just, it's a cool job, you know? It's just, it's a cool feeling. It's a cool job. And I'm happy to do it. My really only am. complaint about local news, and it, I'm not singling out ABC. I'll call out KSL and Fox 13 and the NBC affiliate, whoever they are. I don't like this. If it bleeds, it leads. Mm. I don't like the A, B, and Cs all being of violence and car crashes. Oh, you need to explain what A, B, and C is for the okay, audience. Because so they're going to think you're talking about yeah. A, B, C. So yeah. the way you set up a rundown is your first story is in the A block. Mm-hmm. And it's generally either major breaking national news or breaking local news. Mm-hmm. And then the B is also of a harder news style, but usually has less of the blood... Like, 9-11's an A story. Yep. Um, John Swallow, B story? Or A story? Ooh. That's See, that's a tough an one. A story. Yeah. Uh, B that's sto- an A local story. A B story would be 32,000 people without power if it's yeah. one of those national stories. Otherwise, yeah. that moves up. 
And then the C story is supposed to be how a volunteer gave back yeah. to a retirement home or, or a some spectacular guy. <laughs> high school football player who is going to amount to nothing, but today he was a hero. Or a, or a guy who has too many snakes in the yeah. sugar house. <laughs> yeah. See, and see, that'd be my B story. Yeah. You do that as a B story. Yeah. yeah? Snakes because in sugar house? fun. Yeah. The guy with 32 boa constrictors, I want to interview his neighbors. Yeah. Because that's captivating TV because they're missing teeth, they're wearing hats, they got their glasses <laughs> on because they got their hand tapping because they're on meth. That's your B block. Yeah. And you can fill up 10 minutes. You don't have to have your weather person or weather other person do four and a half minutes. Mm-hmm. Give me the seven day. Give yeah. me emergency lightning situations. That's all you need. Yeah. Don't fill my 30 minutes with the man that's saving your ass because you are uncreative. And then, oh, wait. Uh, yeah, we're going to show you a viral video from two days ago. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Don't be creative. Be in this blue or they got a big dumb mirror behind them on Main Street and all you do is see reflections and people dancing. Yeah, it's weird. It is weird. It's super distracting. It's mm-hmm. really hard. I tried watching it. It was tough. Mm-hmm. So, Jackson... <laughs> You haven't heard this song? No. Dude, was this is like a theme song for an 80s TV show? This is running on empty. It was like a Grammy winner. It sold like 20 million copies. I don't know. This sounds like sounds like Charles in Charge or something. <laughs> Charles in Charge for our days. The silky black hair that like covers his cheekbones and goes all the way down past his shoulders. And he can't really play guitar, but he can. Yeah. He's just strumming like a he's jumping up and down like a dumb white guy. <laughs> Alright, we're done with this. Yeah, that's Jackson Brown. Yeah, I have no clue who <laughs> Honestly, all I'm imagining for some reason is Charles in Charge. I'm thinking about Scott Bayo. Like I'm thinking yeah. about <laughs> Alyssa Milano. I don't know why. Like I'm thinking of that. I didn't even watch that show. I, I just seen a couple episodes on N- Nick at Night. <laughs> yeah, that just that just stinks of the '80s. Yes, I could just I could just ugh, ugh. You might as well you might as well played Rick Astley or something. Uh, oh, so man. I was loading music last night, and yeah. you sent up some stuff. Yeah. And you you really like that heavy guitar. Mm-hmm. The like guitar riffs, yeah, yeah, the really loud electric one. Mm-hmm. So, and I hate that sound. Mm-hmm. Like I can barely tolerate it with Hendrix. Like, mm-hmm. But he's so good and unique. Oh, and yeah, it, it's Hendrix. <laughs> that goes without so saying. Next week, I'm bringing butt rock to old Ute Radio. What is butt rock? What is butt rock? What is no define that? What is butt rock? You <laughs> or, sit on a CD. What is butt rock? Or mean? glam rock? Okay, glam rock. Yeah, you know the long. I know what dance. glam rock yeah. is. Yeah, I hair, it, hair metal. I, yeah, I call it butt rock because yeah. that's what it is. But so we're gonna bring all that stuff in yeah. next week. I like a lot of like I like a <laughs> lot of different types of music. I like punk. I like old school hip hop. I don't really like new hip hop lately. No, it's like treasure. I still like gangster hip hop, but not like, as much as you I don't used like to. Kid Cudi, I like Kid Cudi. <laughs> I, I am a big fan of Kid Cudi. <laughs> oh, did we have a conversation yesterday on, yeah. on fill in the blank about Kid Cudi? 
Yeah. Okay. Wait. What's the name of this other show? Because I want to listen yeah, to it. Fill in the blank on Tuesdays. Is that's what it's called? Fill in the blank. Yeah. God, we have not talked in a long time. Like yeah. I don't know anything that you're up to. We uh, talked about sociopaths and serial killers. I got dating advice since I'm newly single. You should take the psychopath test. I have the book. You should take it on air. See if you're a psychopath. I'll do it. I've never done it. I've never taken the test. I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll loan you the book. Uh, I'll, I'll, well, what we're going to have to do is have DJ Philasia uh, supervise this yeah, test so that exactly. we don't cheat. Because I will cheat. Yeah, of course he'll own. cheat. Of yeah. course he'll cheat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably cheating at something right now. <laughs> I don't even know. We learned about a new app for women that allows them to rate boyfriends with hashtags. Really? Wait, well, you can rate with a hashtag? So, for instance... You're actually on there, and you have one view. What? Yeah. I'm on there? Did you put me on there? No. Did it, you, You're not telling people you're my boyfriend. No. Yuck. No. I don't... Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> no. I take offense to that. You should. Who wouldn't want to be my boyfriend? <laughs> me. <laughs> I can barely do radio with you, sir. <laughs> no, so they have this app, and any man that's on Facebook, women are able to see it on this map. So if you're... What is that new... Is it Grinder? Tinder. It? Tinder. So Grinders for uh, the LGBT. Yeah. So yeah. okay. So Tinder. If you're a Tinder stud yeah. and you just like you know Tinder new woman, man. ladies man, yeah. yeah, yeah. Those girls go on to this Lulu app and rate you at a ten. So you'll go, Steve Jones. He's a great guy. Hashtag bad kisser. Hashtag. Smug. What? They're just blowing you up? Yeah. What is the Wait, and I'm on there? What did they say? There's just one view and there's nothing no one's I'm on there? I don't even have Tinder. How yeah, am but I you're on, on there? Facebook. Oh, okay. You're on Facebook. Creepy. I have one view. You? You viewed me? <laughs> no, <I don't, laughs> it had to have you been you. You can only register. Get on this if you're a woman. Hmm. And hmm. you're sexed through Are you catfishing Facebook. somebody, man? I, I'm just trying to get catfished, but <laughs> <laughs> that's Man. all I want. Wow, this is crazy. Yeah. You know, this, wow, so this reminds me of another thing I've heard. It's just kind of like Tinder. It's this new thing called, it's called Bang with Friends, I think. Yeah. But um, you put on Facebook if you would sleep with, you know, yeah. a, a person. Yeah. And then if she says that she would as well, then yeah. it's just you guys. It's the same formula as Tinder. And but it's it's Facebook like it lets people know like if you want a casual hookup you can. But see here's the unique catch to it as DJ Felicia told me at two from five to eight on Tuesdays. Yeah. That this. T- oh wait, what station is that on? Kute.org. So oh, okay. Tune in. Cool, cool. Yeah. I don't know if we're gonna do it on demand, but um, she she was telling me that because they say that the median age use is 27 yeah. but she said it's actually about 18 to 21 really mm-hmm. hmm. she said most most app hooking up is with the super young kids college kids college age yeah, yeah. i could see that easily most adults and people mm-hmm. over that age don't use it i dated so much from myspace when i was like before i was 18 after 18 not really as much oh yeah so you had a lot of blind dates and stuff like that mm-hmm did you enjoy that? Not, not particularly. I never really enjoyed dating, to be honest. Like, would you go to D's and say, hey, lady? Kind of. No, like, uh, she would have to pick me up because <laughs> I didn't have my license. <laughs> nice. <laughs> First strike. My schedule was weird because I played sports year-round. Uh-huh. So it would always be at, like, 9, you know, because I'm always somewhere till then, you know, pretty much. Um, we would go out. I would pay. You know, we'd, 
Uh, it's kind of actually where I learned a lot about dating. Like, I figured out, like, you don't want to take... Oh, I'm just thinking. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, you don't want to take a girl to a movie on the first date because you don't get to talk to her and you're out, you know, 20 bucks. Hey, you save that till you're married. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you say that to when you don't want to talk to each other anymore. <laughs> so what t- so we have a guest coming in today. Yeah, um, he'll I be... I saw an email and it was 2.30. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's actually been bumped up to 2.50. So okay. We'll be fine. Yeah, we'll be starting uh, the, the 3 o'clock hour with Bob Bedor. He will be in studio. He is... The, uh, he's one of the biggest, he's an improv legend in Salt Lake City. He runs Quick Wits. He's a very talented man. He's a writer. He's an author. Uh, it's exciting to have him. And he's an amazing performer. Like, if I, I was able to see him here on the University of Utah campus two years ago, I think. Hmm. Yeah, it was when I was when I was with that sketch group. So it would have to be about two years ago. Yeah. I'm impressed by improv. Yeah. It's going to be exciting when he comes in. But yeah, so back to dating. Like... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like I learned, ladies, so. I learned that you you have to do like events, you know, like I would take a girl to play like pool or air hockey. That was my favorite, you know. Or I would go on a walk with them. You got to do like little events, especially with like blind dates, like to get to know the person. And I found my best results was with stuff like that, where we could talk and learn and get to know each other, and it was always much more successful. So you don't go to the bar and get completely hammered no. and then take them no. home. I do. I do things completely sober. Huh. Yeah. Who knew? That's not yeah. how you date. Yeah, but also I, I really tried hard not to get attached to because I was playing sports. I didn't want to, you know, I was a two-sport athlete, so I didn't want to lose focus. I actually think I really enjoy being single. Yeah? Oh, yeah, yeah. You're, you're newly single. How's it no, feel? Uh, it's In some ways, it really sucks. Mm-hmm. But not having the intellectual and emotional pressure of trying to appease somebody who you don't really know if they're into you. Yeah. Like I was with a girl for two and a half years and it was you never knew where you stood. Like yeah. it was just well, do you think that was like a lack of communication or Oh, from her part, yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's like you can only try so much, but you know, and then she started getting bitter towards me because I was becoming successful and it's mm. like Wait, you're my woman. Like, you're yeah, it's our to success. Encourage my championship and raise me up and yeah. be proud of me so that I can provide for us. Yeah. Allow you not to work as much. Mm-hmm. But no, it's, uh, oh, well, you get to do this and you get to do that. And uh, it's, it's really, hey, 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 knock it off. Well, it sounds like, you know, you got out of a. Well, yeah, yeah. I got on an ultimatum. It's like either I'm moving in or we're not dating. Wow. And it's like, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> I don't let well, the door hit you. Ultimatums <laughs> are the ultimate source of like, the ult- in my opinion, ultimatums are the ultimate admittance to a lack of power. Like you have no power whatsoever if you make an ultimatum. It just shows how powerless you really are. How delusional you are. Yeah, exactly. Because how do you go from wanting to sleep next to me every single night, wake up next to me, yeah. pay bills together, and then just throw it all out? It's like it's either that or nothing. Yeah, sharing a bathroom doesn't get more intimate than that. Yeah, I live in places <laughs> with three toilets. So <laughs> <laughs> you do your thing, I do mine. I have no interest. <laughs> I didn't even know girls went number two till I was like 13. Oh, wow. No idea. Yeah. They're <laughs> humans just like I us. I grew up with ladies, though. Yeah, that's even weirder. Yeah. I, well, I grew up with my mother and grandmother mm. who were completely dignified women, and you never knew. Yeah. <laughs> you never knew. <laughs> As where the only thing my friends and I knew how to do was fart. And, yeah. you know, it made sense. But 
So one thing I'm excited about with this new semester is the new challenges that are coming. Because like I'm coming, I'm coming close to the end, you know, and I, and I'm I'm in I'm in a huge transition period. Like I'm looking to get my own place. Me and Sarah, we're looking to get our own place. I'm finding a place for my parents. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm getting my sister back into school at Salt Lake Community College. It's exciting, but it's also really, really, really stressful. Yeah, especially you know? when you only get 12 hours of daylight and you're supposed to sleep. Yeah. Yeah, I sleep still on average about five, six hours a night. Mm-hmm. I, uh... Oh, where was I going with this? I forgot. It's all right. <laughs> um, I had to reapply... Yeah. Uh, last week to become a student again because <laughs> yeah. I'm taking a class yes but I wasn't able to go on canvas and I'm com- I was completely locked out of not my email but everything else so I go to the administration I go hey what's going on I yeah. go, oh you're graduated new policy as of this year is you have to reapply for admittance and I go would <gasps> do you have to pay the 45 bucks I had to pay 35 bucks oh. Because apparently I was supposed to do this in April, yeah. not last week, yeah. during the middle of the semester. Yeah, during class. <laughs> Wait, that's the first day of school. Yeah. <laughs> You're in the class. Yeah. <laughs> and so I go, you guys are going to accept me, right? <laughs> <laughs> Can I still get in? Like dead serious, uh. like, you know, white knuckled, like, oh my God, are they going to accept me? Yeah, like, what if you don't end up back in school? That's weird. And they go, yeah, of course you'll be accepted. But it was just funny having to... uh, I'm going through the same thing, having to reapply for stuff. I I don't have a tracks pass now. I have to go get one. Oh, no. Yeah, and I need the tracks pass. That's expensive. Yeah, it's worth paying for. How much is it now these days? I have no clue. I have to go find it out after this. Probably a couple hundred bucks. It's like 200 bucks at Slick. So, I mean... Sure, it's oh, you, so your card just automatically shut off. Yeah, because your date not. Yeah, I dropped. I was in. I was enrolled in t- classes until yesterday, and I dropped them because. And then it popped you right yeah, off. Popped me right off. Oh, that's rude. Yeah, it's fine. See, ten years ago, technology wasn't yeah. that way, and you would have yeah. been fine. Oh yeah, it's the cold <laughs> heart of technology. <laughs> it really yeah, is. It's fine. I had to pay two fifty to come here. I'm gonna have to pay two fifty for the bus. Now, but it's how fine. stringent are the? Agents with checking. Oh, oh, they're so gangster. I feel like I'm in Israel. Like, like, ever <laughs> seriously, you know what I mean? Like, with all the stops. I really do. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, like every eight blocks, there's a checkpoint in Israel, pretty much. Um, that's what it feels like. Like they jump on the train at, at almost every stop during the week. Like, and they walk down the aisle. They walk down the aisle, scan your card, look at your pass. Oh, they really Papers. Papers. <laughs> With your freedom papers. Papers. <laughs> I'm like, is this slavery or like yeah. Germany? I don't know. It's a little bit of both. Uh, this is not going to <laughs> yeah. an internment camp, right? Past yeah. Airport. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, it's I'm like papers. Where are your papers? Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's why I don't go in trains. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe this kid was a train stop at one point. S- some girl, because I get on at the Murray one and uh, some girl she had just gone off and I heard on the phone she's like well I had to get off the cop was there and I didn't want to get a ticket and it's like a $200 ticket yeah. it's no joke like they don't mess around I believe it yeah. well let's pop to break so that we can get refreshed oh, yeah. and get everything going for our interview coming up okay and uh, thank you for doing radio yeah mm-hmm. angels with dirty faces We got this underground, we got this underground, we got this new sound. All right, check it. We are the, are the, right the, 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 the world goes on without you. We 
If it's about you, you probably hear about it last. When them press up and check up in the mask, gotta keep perspective on the future in the past and laugh to see bad news that travels fast. If it's about you, you probably hear about it last. When them press up and check up in the past, gotta keep perspective on the future in the past and laugh while they keep talking, 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 talking. Taking heads keeps walking. Out of spoken word is infinite. You can tell the people are always talking, talking on the run, talking. While walking, talking in line, talking in circles, talking in time all over the world, talking about whatever's on their mind. That's fine. Talk about who they hawking, who they watching, who they clocking, who they heard was up to something. Popping, always talking about who they remember, who's forgotten, who's rocking the set, who's flopping, dropping out, talking about people from the cradle to the coffin, talking about people, talking about people, talking about people, talking about people, not stop talking often. It's bad news that travels fast. If it's about you, you probably hear about it last. Out. This is Old Ute Radio with your humble hosts, Johnny McKeon and Sasha Bloom. This is B-Racks on the Tracks. We've got a show Thursdays, 5 to 8 p.m. We're playing rock and roll from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and now. We have a segment called Stupid People in the News, where we just cover all the dumb things people do across the nation. We bring them straight to your ears for your listening pleasure. So tune in, Thursdays, 5 to 8 p.m. And we're playing songs that will bring back memories of the good old days. So be sure to tune in, Thursdays, 5 to 8 p.m., only on KU Internet Radio. Radio for students, by students. Fusion Radio, playing anything that Ryan deemed worthy since. Now? Since now. Listen in on Wednesdays from 5 to 8 on KUTE Radio. Hey, this is Karina. I host Chain Lightning every Tuesday from 8 to 11 p.m. Listen in for a mix of high-quality music, ranging from psychedelic rock to bluegrass, on KUTE Radio. 
Hi there, I'm Dana Green with ABC4 Utah Sports, and you're listening to KUTE Radio. And welcome back to Old Ute Radio. I'm Johnny McKeon. You can follow me on Twitter at Johnny McKeon. With me in studio is Mr. Doom and Gloom himself, Sasha Bloom. You can follow him at, at Mr. Underscore Bloom. Uh, also, like always, you can follow us on our Facebook page at Old Ute Radio with Johnny McKeon and Sasha Bloom. So with us in studio, we got an awesome guest for you guys tonight. Bob Bedor has been acting steadily since 1979 when he first played a Hispanic high school student because he was the only one who auditioned with dark hair. He's appeared in several commercials, a few movies, and hosted a live show on KSL for two years. He founded the Off-Broadway Theater in 1994 and sits on different theater boards in Utah. Bob started the improv comedy troupe Quick Wits almost 20 years ago and has been has played nearly 3,000 shows since then. He's the author of the best-selling improv book and has a second one coming out this month. He still performs at Quick Wits every Friday and Saturday at 10 at the Midville Main Street Theater. That's 7711 uh, South, 700 West. And, you know, he says it keeps him young. He has a we have some two-for-one tickets for all our listeners for this weekend. Tickets are normally 6 bucks, so this is going to be a great opportunity to see him. Bob, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thanks. Wow, sorry to have to make you go through such a mouthful on that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. We like it's to be very thorough. For him, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bob, what, you know, what got you into comedy? Uh, you know, it's really funny. I never really... Uh, the way I got into comedy as a, as a kid, never thought I would continue doing that, was I was kind of the uh, short, fat, sweaty kid. And um, in school, the only way you kind of got people to not make fun of you was to be funnier <laughs> than them. So I did that, and uh, after a while, it just kind of stuck with me. But it turned out it was something you – know, I wanted to be a sports writer all my life. Really? In fact, uh, in fact, I went here to the U years and years ago as, uh, as a scholarship where I was the assistant sports information director here at the U and, uh, and wrote for the newspaper and, and stuff like that and wanted to be a sports writer. But acting just kept kind of – you know, really needling me, and uh, finally, I just gave up all that, uh, all those hopes and dreams, and went into acting, to where you make no money. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. So. so, what did you start in theater, or? Yeah, it was, it was all theater. Yeah, yeah, I did, uh, did theater all through. In fact, I never even acted till high school, until like you said, I got cast as a guy called Jose Rodriguez, <laughs> just because. Uh, and I had just moved to Utah, and I had no idea that Utah was, you know, the land of blondes and and stuff. And they <laughs> they couldn't, uh, they didn't know how they were going to cast Jose Rodriguez <laughs> until I showed up with no acting experience, and they said, "You're the you're the guy." Where'd you move from? Uh, from Florida. So oh. I, I would live right on the coast in Florida, on the Gulf Coast, and moved to Utah. So it was a huge culture shock. So. Oh wow! But it's worked out. I've stayed. So you you used to be a sports writer for like the Crony back mm-hmm. then. Yep. Really, what was it like working for the Crony? I was, you know, it was fun. It was it was cool because that, yeah, that's what I really wanted to do, and, and especially since I I was so uh, in deep with the the sports information department. Uh, you know, little I was working there five hours a day without an event. So if there was a sporting event that night. I was there, but uh, so they I just uh, got on the Chronicle. Uh, just because it seemed like the natural fit, I was already there writing, so I uh, wrote uh, wrote pieces for them, and it was it was fun. I was a, I was here for two years. That so was a good time. Oh wow! So, how did you discover improv? Like, what got you started in that? Well, I did stand up uh, through the eighties, uh, you know, a little bit of stand up, and and toured a little bit with that. And then um, they would, um, if we needed to fill some time, there was one promoter that uh, would have the guys come up and do improv, and I'd never done much of that. Did a little bit of it in high school, and it was just kind of fun. 
But in uh, 1994, a group of friends and I were going to open the Off-Broadway Theater, which is, is still uh, still up right now. And we, we had all come from a place called Desert Star, where we wrote, acted, directed all the shows there. Oh, I see the poster boards for that. Yeah. yeah. And so we were, we were all there, and we were going to start our new theater. And basically, since we wrote, directed, acted, everything there, we were going to do the same stuff at Off-Broadway. And we wanted something to kind of... Uh, make ourselves stand out a little bit, yeah. make it so we're not just ripping off what we used to do. And so the idea of improv came, and we put together this troupe, and it never seemed like it was going to be much of anything. There was no improv. There was no whose line is it anyway. Uh, there was none of that stuff. But it kind of took off. At about 1996, it, it got to where it was more popular than our shows. And at one point, we sold out. Uh, we had a 250-seat theater, and we sold out uh, you know, close to 300 straight shows of doing improv. And wow, we, that, that is incredibly impressive. Yeah, we thought it was never going to end. <laughs> of course, it ended now. Now, yeah. uh, now we're all happy if we can play for, you know, 50, 60 people. But it's it's still just a blast. It's it's cool because you, you never know what's going to happen. Uh, just some of the most magical things suddenly come out of out of what seemed like nothing. And, uh, and they're funnier than, you know, I, I can go to a movie that's a great comedy. Yeah. And I can laugh four or five real hard times and think, wow, that was a great movie. Yeah. But I can do an improv show, and I realize, you know, I'm doing that like a dozen, twenty times a show, and so I've just, I've just had a great time with it. So, um, so can you tell me a little bit about like the, like kind of maybe like the rules of improv, or like if someone was a beginner, how would they get started? Oh yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting because there, there are these rules to improv. Uh, they, there'll be things like, uh, you don't ask questions because that doesn't further a scene. You, you don't say no because that ends a scene you you and there are all these rules like that but like the yes and yes and yeah, yeah. no y- yes and's the big rule of improv and i should have said that instead of you don't say no <laughs> but, but but i'm this kind of improviser um who who wants to get rid of the rules because if you're in your head thinking about uh you know what you're doing you you can't just be in the moment. I mean, yeah. like you're doing radio right now. You don't yeah. have to keep thinking. Well, I, I I can't say this. I have to say this. I've got this PSA coming up. I've got this. Yeah. You just got to be in the moment, and and it it just comes more natural. My whole thing is, man, you just watch and listen to everything, and be in the moment, and just being in that moment allows you to come up with whatever needs to be, whatever needs to be said. And I also teach that you treat everyone you're on stage with like they're the perfect person you could be on stage with, even if they're not. But you treat them like that, and they treat you the same way, and now instantly you've got this this thing going. I mean, I'm sure it's the same way you know you treat your co-host. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, He's uh, pretty abusive <laughs> to me, actually. <laughs> I, I, I try to limit how he speaks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so but, yeah, go ahead. No, no, keep going. I was going to say, so, but but that's just it. I mean, if you just go down with a good time, and and improv's about just not caring about making a mistake, because if you make a mistake, it's up to your partner. To make it look good, yeah. and uh, and allowing that kind of freedom allows you to just do whatever crazy crap you want to do, and just uh, know that it's on your partner to <laughs> to make it look like that's what was supposed to happen. Yeah, and I just I love that kind of freedom. So, who are the guys that you work with? Can you tell me a little bit about them? Oh yeah, you know what, what's amazing is I've worked with people, and like I said, this has been almost twenty years, and they come and go for some reason. I have nothing else better to do. But they <laughs> they grow up, they get married, they move on, and uh, you know it, it started it started off Broadway theater with with a bunch of people uh, you know and way too many even to name but you know uh, good friends of mine like Eric Jensen and and Russ Peacock and uh, you know Mark Probert and Ben Porter the, these people that kind of started it uh, and took it on and just said all right we'll try this crazy thing 
But uh, it's just gone through the years where I've had, I've just worked with some of the most amazing people. Uh, a guy named Russ McBride that uh, just passed away. Mm. Um, great, great improviser. Yeah. And it's uh, when I get choked up because yeah. Yeah, we are kind of a family. You yeah. know, like I said, if you're going to have that kind of trust in someone, um, you have to be their family. But, uh, you know, guys I work with now, these th- these young guys that are, you know, just young. <laughs> I, I say young. You know, they're, they're in their 20s and 30s. Yeah. Um, but to me, that's young, Th- sadly. These up-and-coming guys. <laughs> but what they do is is they, they, they keep it fresh for me. I mean, I've got these guys... Uh, and again, I, I, if I started naming them, I would, I would forget to name some. But but they know who they are, yeah. and they uh, they just they make it just fun because they get excited about it again and get me excited about it. I, I look at Quickwits sometimes, and this will this will sound harsh, but at times I look at Quickwits the way you look at a really old dog. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know that because you should put it down because yeah. that's what's best. Yeah, but man. Um, you love having it around. Yeah, you well, love and doing all, all of a sudden yeah. it looks at you, and you, you remember what it looked like as a puppy. Yeah, yeah. and you go, "All right, yeah, you can stay." Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and, th- and that's what quick has happened, yeah. and that's what these guys do for me, and and I do, I, I get just excited about it. Uh, you know, this is like I said, we started doing improv as a troupe in '94. I was doing it a little bit in the '80s, but I'm so, I'm excited about every show we do, yeah. just because these guys are so good, and the audience uh, comes so pumped up. And it's it's fun that we you know we try to provide something that's um, you know I wouldn't call ourselves super family friendly. I mean yeah. we're PG thirteen. There's yeah, a lot of innuendo. Yeah, you push it, but you don't cross the line. No, but yeah. yeah, exactly. And uh, my kids can still come and see it, and I can feel good about that. And uh, just to be able to do that and, and get people out of themselves. I mean, I remember we did a show the day after nine eleven, wow. and it was like this. We thought for a while, should we do a show? Yeah. Should we do a show? And and uh, we decided. Yeah, we should because there are going to be people who don't want to sit around and watch reruns of 9 yeah. 11 playing on their screen. And so we decided we did a show. It turned out to be a big crowd yeah. and just this enthusiastic crowd. And, you know, it just hit me for a bunch of, uh, you know, goof offs who yeah. are just trying to make people laugh. We, you know, we provide something. Well, you're an entertainer and it's your job. Like, you, it's up to you to, like, to bring the spirit back to the masses, especially in such a tragedy. Like, it's, it's your duty yeah. to perform. It really is. Like, you put on, you guys put on a great show. I saw you guys last year at, uh, here, here uh-huh. at the university. Yep. You guys, it's, it's really well done. Yeah. Uh, thank Keith, you. Appreciate it. What yeah. do you want to say? So, um, well, thanks for letting me be here again. Yeah. Sure. Hand off first, that microphone. First of all, <laughs> I know I, I, I commit rookie mistakes, but I try to make up with... Uh, it's because you didn't give him enough headphone. <laughs> yeah, yeah ho- headphone cord, man. I have like eight millimeters of headphone cord. I have to stretch over like a contortionist. Um, so in every uh, group or, or, or genre of uh, music or athletics or even you know uh, study, there's that one transcendent talent. Mm-hmm. In improv, who is that transcendent talent that you say, man, this guy is just crazy talented in improv? Well, I say me. <laughs> but, uh, well, other than yourself, of course. Of no, course. you know, and, and it's so weird because, um, all right, let's look at your analogy. Let, let's go with, uh, a, you know, just a, a football performer or a football team. You look at yeah. who's that crazy talent, but the guy might be a crazy talent because they were an incredible running back and could do this thing, but that he may not have great hands. It's the receiver that had the great hands that yeah. made it happen or the quarterback that had the, the vision the, the vision, and, you know, the linemen who were able to, to see stunts coming and know what to do. That's what an improv team is. Stand up. And I've been a stand-up comedy most uh, comedian most of my life as well. Stand-up comedy is about about that one transcend- 
transcendent performer. Yeah. Improv is about this team um, because you know you need you need a guy who can do the physical comedy, a guy that can do this wordplay, a guy that can do all these different things. But I mean, you know, I, I look at Utah, and we've got so many just incredibly talented people, and I, I've traveled around the world. Uh, watching improv in, in some of the big cities that you would expect, you know, Chicago, L.A., uh, Boston. And, man, I would put the talent that's in Utah up against any of those troops any day. Uh, and a lot of it is because these are people who, uh, you know, I look at what's going on, and I'm not trying to put down any, but, but Chicago and L.A., it's like yeah. this class system, and you got to build the up. ECB. And yeah. You, yeah, and you're really looking at trying to get something further. You know, you're trying to get on Saturday Night Live. Or you're trying, trying to, to get into groundlings. Yeah, trying yeah. to do all this stuff. Here in Utah, it's like, man, I'm just, I'm just here to make people laugh tonight. You know, I hear that a lot in media in general in Salt Lake. I work with the Pac-12, with ESPN, mm-hmm. and the people that come in out of state and run our crews say, you guys are as good as anybody in the country. And, you know, if you put some of our local news, they're as good as anybody in L.A. or New York. And it just seems like everyone still has that stigma of, oh, this is a right-to-work state. You guys aren't union. You right. don't know what you're doing. Do, do you see that at all? Do you see any of that resentment from out-of-staters with you guys? Or? You know, in improv, you don't see it so much. Uh, I'm a, I make it uh, very open to everyone that I can that if you're traveling in Utah and want to play improv, call me up. I'll get you on stage. Cause, you know, and I think improvisers feel that same kind of thing because they're like, uh, you, you never stop learning. Mm-hmm. And the more you do a show with someone else, you go, oh, wow, I never thought about that. And I'm going to now add that to my to what I do. So it's not quite the resentment, but uh, I've, I've acted uh, for several years, and, and uh, you know, when productions come into into town, I've been oftentimes on a set the lone Utah actor in front of all these L.A., uh, you know, Hollywood uh, Union, actors. Union, all those and, guys. Um, and, yeah, and I remember, <laughs> I, I just remember the director talking about why is the Utah actor the only one professional here right now? Because <laughs> everyone else was like, you know, taking their breaks and leaving sure. the set, and I'm like, or I'm, I'll do another take. What is it? What is it you want here? Uh, I just think I just think in Utah we uh, uh, we, we we don't take things for granted because it's not in our face all the time, mm-hmm. uh, and you know there there isn't it doesn't seem to be something more to aspire to if you're just happy with what you're doing. Uh, I've got friends who do improv in L.A. and yeah, it's all the fight to get stage time and it's the fight to do this and you're really all you're doing is you're inviting your agent and other people to hopefully come see you do a show. Um, and I've, I've seen people in Chicago, friends of mine, who just keep taking classes so that they can hopefully get up to a mage stage performer. And it's hmm. like, and, and here, I mean, we'll think, you know, at, at Off-Broadway, we've sat 250. Uh, I did shows at Trolley Square for a long time where we sat over 300 and sold those out. Uh, our theater right now at the Midvale Main Street Theater seats 150, that kind of stuff. I went to Boston, this huge college town, and went to what was supposedly the number one improv show in Boston. And it maybe sat 60 people. Wow. And yeah, it was sold out, but it's only sat 60 people. And I was yeah. going, man, we used to, <laughs> we used to <laughs> seat like over 300 people for improv. And um, so there's a lot that Utah has that I don't think the rest of the nation knows. Or Utah would be one of the big improv capitals. There's a good work ethic in Utah, I think. Yeah, I, and I yeah. do agree with that. Yeah. Utah's on the grow. Everything has just been expanding across mm-hmm. the board. Like we, you know, we had Christopher Stevenson and he's the guy that's, that's head of the... Guy, yep. Yeah, and we had him and we were talking about the local comedy scene is just blowing up. You know, you got you got like Toy Soup. Mm-hmm. I know you work with them. Those yep. guys, they're incredible as well. You know, like there's all of this this talent here, you know, and it's just it just keeps going up. 
Yeah, no, it's just and it's and they're they're experimenting more. Troy and Andrew from Toy Soup uh, started doing uh, Quick Wits. Andrew was, was Quick Wits. Uh, Troy was with a group called Knock Your Socks Off, and then worked with Quick Wits. And then those guys just uh, they were doing the improv, and then they wanted to then do something different to break out of the mold that Quick Wits had created. And so they did Toy Soup, and it's just a, a phenomenal show that can uh, that 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 breaks past the lines that we set for quick wits but it allows them to to have this freedom that those guys wanted and, and man and i i think the world of them especially you know uh, andrew and troy are just amazing if you catch a toy soup show somewhere go see it as long as you're not easily offended so you were <laughs> mentioning something about this musical impressionist show oh uh, well we've got uh, you know imp- improv is this making up stuff on the spot and it's and it's very difficult to people but we we also do a lot of musical improv uh and one of the things we're going to be doing uh, very soon. Uh, it starts actually September 19th uh, in West Jordan with West Jordan Theater Arts. They've asked us to help with a show this uh, this fall, and we're going to improvise an entire musical. I mean, and this is again not doing like a three minute scene or something. This is a two hour musical. Wow! With singing and dancing and plots that carry through this entire time and stuff that we will not have an idea of what's going to happen right before it starts. Wow! So wait, can the audience suggest? Yeah. Song ideas? Oh, everything. What we'll do wow. is we'll, uh, we'll what we do is we'll talk to the audience. You know, we'll, we'll get to know the audience a little bit, and as they tell us their story, they don't realize that we're we're that's what we're going to be putting into our musical. You know, we went on a vacation to Cancun, and you know, I got the worst sunburn ever. Well, so that's the, probably going to come. The in. entire musical is improv, not just yep. like the the songs. No, the the entire thing, and then wow. it's, and then we'll ask them. All right, well, uh, give us the title for the love duet. Give us a title for, you know, this and, uh, you know, give us a style of song that has to be, you know, these kind of things will come in and we don't know when those will come up. Yeah. But uh, that sounds amazing. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's weird. I've, I've done this for so long and uh, I just love doing it. But the improvised musical actually gives me a little bit of just this worry of I don't know if this is going to work. And a lot of times it doesn't until like the last <laughs> few seconds, and all of a sudden, boom! It uh, you know you're like yeah. oh, oh, it all just came together and one you know great ending number, and everyone on stage is singing, and they're all singing the chorus, and it sounds like something that's been rehearsed for months, and and it's just something we made up. So I, I mean, if if you want to see something really amazing, it's like a magic act. Um, yeah, in a magic act, you know, the the magician's gonna pull a rabbit out of a hat. Yeah. In an improvised musical. We don't know what we're going to pull out of the hat or even what we're going to use to pull out of. You know, there's going to be no hat, no rabbit. And it's just we've got to figure out something. And uh, so I would sec- recommend uh, checking that out if you get a chance in West Jordan. So so let's go back to a little bit about the nerves. Like, are, mm-hmm. you, are you nervous because this is just a whole new challenge? Like, is this something that you've been working towards? Do you feel prepared or is this like new territory for you? Well, it's funny. I've, I've been doing it for, uh, for a while. Um, there's a, a great group in Provo called the Thrillionaires, and that's all they do is improvise musicals. So uh, about five years ago, six years ago, somewhere in there, I started playing with them uh, and playing with them a little bit. Uh, and then we've, we've done it with our troupe a couple times before as well. But it's just this thing of when you do an improv show, you can do like a three-minute scene, and if it was so-so, that's okay because it's over, and then you go hit them back with the next scene because yeah. it's entirely different, and you've got to have the selective memory to, to move on quickly. But in that musical, it's like, holy crap, we're an hour into this, and I still have no idea who the protagonist is in the story, who's <laughs> the villain. Yeah. You know, I have. N- how are we going to wrap this up? We're, we have no conflict. <laughs> it's like, and it's so. It's like you're, 
it just grows organically and it, it there's a theater magic that just takes over so um do you have any like uh tips for beginners like kind of maybe some do's and don'ts when it comes to improv like like how do you get over stage fright like how did you did you ever have it or you know that's my one thing i was i was born with whatever gene makes you afraid to talk in front of people yeah um which is you know good you, and bad. So you have social anxiety a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. I I, I I have it as well. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. I I have I have anxiety when I I'm not talking in front of a crowd. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> See, that I, would make more sense to me than you not being able to speak to people because you you're very articulate. Yeah. You have no problem expressing yourself or uh, speaking from your truth. I I don't understand how that how you'd get full of fear on a stage it seems like you are so calm and because uh, I've seen you before it, and you're flawless you, you, oh, you're a professional you. you're you're an absolute professional and oh that's amazing I'm, I'm also yeah. <laughs> apparently a magician yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a liar or something. you're a hustler <laughs> no I, I just because I, you don't see it on stage but you know that's I guess why we ask you that's yeah. why you're a professional well I mean. it's uh-huh. uh, yeah there's something about just being a you know, even though I don't make money, it's a money performer. It's like when yeah. when it's on, you, you go out and do whatever you have to do. Um, but man, if you're just nervous about that, one thing you got to realize this is this is what I learned early on in life. People get nervous about speaking in front of people, and the one thing they forget is that none of those people are there to be your enemy. Yeah. You know, they they've come to this club to to be entertained by you or to hear you speak. Or, you know, they've turned on the radio. I was a DJ for 12 years. Uh, they, you know, to hear you, they'll turn on you because they, they want to listen to you. So they're on your side. Yeah. And if you've ever been in front of, yeah, and I'm sure we've all been there. We've heard some speaker or something that starts to flub over a line. And uh, our first thought is not, oh, God, what a jerk. The first thought is, you know, come on. Yeah. Pull it out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you're, you're trying to will them to, you know, to, to get that word you're thinking of. And so these people are on your side. And if you remember that, no matter what you do in life, that if you remember that really the majority of people are on your side and they want you to succeed, then that that helps you get over that hurdle of actually being afraid of somebody or something. Yeah. Wow. And that's, that's about the best way I can put it. That's good advice. What's funny is you're, you've done like what I'm trying to do now. I'm trying to get on at the Chronicle and hear the radio. <laughs> yeah. and, and I'm not funny. I don't see myself <laughs> going into to comedy. I, I say that as I crack the whole room up. But yeah, seriously, I'm not funny. Well, I, we can't I don't know. do you, we're, sir. We're, we're <laughs> laughing at you, not with yeah. you. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I, I bet you the com- most of the comics that work at Quick Wits will take it either way, man. Yeah, I know. That, and that's exactly it. Uh, you, the the you laughs come, they come. You learn that a groan is as good as a laugh. If they groaned at your joke, that meant they were paying attention yeah. to you. You can take that. No, but the, the big thing is, that, you know, and like I said, my 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 stuff I did uh, really wasn't about comedy with all the the other stuff. It was it was getting just that same stuff. I I have this bizarre confidence in myself, uh, just because your your life is so much better if you just go into it expecting to succeed and maybe failing. Uh, I live by this, but uh, and I think it was Mark Twain uh, that said this that uh, if failure is not an option then creativity is not an option. Oh, wow. And so just, you know, it's like you just got to go ready to fail and learn from it and, and move on. And, and, yeah, I wasn't a great sports writer uh, at the beginning. My, uh, lucky my, my dad was growing up, and that's what got me the love for sports and for writing. Um, but that same thing, everything just worked out lucky for me. I literally, when I got my scholarship here, I was supposed to meet with um, – uh, what was her name? Uh, I think Elaine Carr. I think she was coaching, like, basketball – 
uh, be, and possibly writing a story for her. And so I happened to just have some information about me, and uh, I overheard, and I think Bruce Woodbury is still the sports information director here at the Europe. He's probably got a you know, better title than that now. But I heard him on the phone talking about how he needed to fill this position. I was literally walking around the special events center, Huntsman Center now, and uh, overheard him saying that he was needing to find someone. <laughs> I stuck my head in the door and went, uh, you're looking for someone to, to help you with sports information? Well, I was this, uh, and I actually had, here's my, where I was top editor in Utah High School, here's this and that, and he's like, uh, all right, all right, you got the job. <laughs> and I was like, all right, cool, what, what do I do? And turned out I had a scholarship at the U and didn't even realize that, at the, you know, when he, when he goes, you got the job, and I was like, wow. So I thought it was an internship. Next thing I knew, he, you know, you got to go over here and fill out this and sign up for glasses, and I'm like, well, okay. What was your experience like here at the U back then? Uh, loved it, other than the fact that I was not. I, I where I'm. What I've learned now is I need to be confident. Back then, I was just cocky. Uh. So my problem was, uh, you know, I was writing, you know, for stuff for the sports information department, and so I would have bylines literally in the New York Times, and then I'd go to a journalism class, and I'd have some teacher there who was, you know, like 25 or something, tell me, uh, well, you know, you're, the way you're structuring that is incorrect, <laughs> uh, Mr. Bedore. And I'd go, uh, I don't know, New York Times seemed to think it was okay. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> that didn't go over well. And, uh, you know, so I, I had to overcome that. But uh, I ended up switching out of journalism and went into uh, marketing and advertising and then, and then started a kind of a marketing career for a little while after school before I melded back into uh, other things and really sticking with uh, entertaining, which is what I love. And now I, I do video production and, and stuff like that. So When you left the U... Uh, there was a was great void. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, <laughs> uh, that's exactly what I want to get into. How hard was it to leave the support team of this campus and then kind of just get there on your own? Did you struggle with confidence at that point? Or just reaffirming yourself where you wanted to go and not getting sidetracked by bosses and such. No, no, you see, like I said, it was uh, I and I, I don't say this in any kind of egotistical way. I just I'm a person who just has confidence. So what happened was I was I was I was going to the U. I, d I didn't finish here because I was going to the U and I was interning at an advertising firm and they said, look, we really want you to just be here full time. Mm -hmm. And I was like, mm -hmm. well, that's what I'm going to school for. So mm -hmm. apparently, I don't need the paper anymore. Let's move on. And so I just, uh, and so that transition became mm -hmm. easier. The hard part for me was literally going from high school to college, because in high school I was this guy that could figure out the, the rules yeah. and knew how to circumvent them and and move mm -hmm. around and not go to school ever, but somehow <laughs> still get like a three point four grade point average. And I came here to college and I'd come up with my excuses why I couldn't make class, and the teacher'd go. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> no skin off my nose if you're here. I, I'm like, well, wait a minute. Aren't you supposed to go, oh, that's okay. I'll give you a makeup test. <laughs> so that that was my huge shock. So any freshman listening right now, I, you're reaching that same conclusion. You just buck up. This is a whole different world because the teachers care about you, but they don't care about you. No, they'll uh, drop you quickly. Oh, because, yeah. yeah, they're they're like, well, I'll just, I'll pay attention to the student that wants to learn, not yeah. the one that's here to skate. T tell me about stand-up a little bit, because I, I do stand-up whenever I can as oh, well. Great. How, uh, like, what was your experience like? What got you into it? You know, I love, I love stand-up, and I, um, during the 80s, a little bit in the 90s, I, um, that I thought was going to suddenly become my career. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, especially in the 80s. Yeah, yeah well, I mean, 80s it was booming. Was boom. yeah. yeah, yeah. So I toured a little bit there, and um, 
uh, nothing big. I had like this <laughs> my big Colorado, Wyoming, Montana, Utah circuit that I that I kind of ran, which just sounds ridiculous to even think of right now. But to me, it was like people I'm gonna, still do it. <laughs> I'm going to make it big. Yeah. Stubbs yeah. did that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. But, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and uh, but then I, I ended up getting married, and I just thought oh, I can't do this. I got to yeah. be a real guy. Um, but now I'm starting to work my way back into it. Uh, I see you got uh, you know Brian Pope. I did a yeah. I did a show with him a couple months ago. I'm starting to work my way back up into cool, cool uh, into stand up. Uh, just because I, I, I love it because it's it's now this thing of where improv you've got this safety net. Stand up comedy you li- like you know you you have no safety net. You're no. like going, all right, these <laughs> jokes I think are funny. I think I tell them well, and here I go. This is it. And yeah. and if you don't get a laugh out of the gate. Your whole world suddenly just goes into panic mode. <laughs> it's like, holding water in your hand. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, you're just like going, oh, uh, I don't know. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna yeah. power through, power through, and then you end up overcompensating yeah. and like, yeah, you push it too far or you, or you underperform. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's the most stressful, wonderful thing in the world for me. It stresses me out to no end, but. I, I love it, and it's something I think about constantly. It's something I have to do. Oh, yeah. No, I, I suddenly, you know, I find myself back in the mode of writing down jokes all of a sudden where I go, oh, my gosh, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I grab my phone and I instantly make a note that that I need to, to do that. Uh, would that would that be cheating for improv if you wrote down, like, a joke, like a stock joke? Would yeah, that? It, it happens a bit in improv. We have these these games that we call them in improv that are kind of these step-out kind of games. Yeah. And they're uh, it'll be like... There's one called Scenes Not Seen, where you do deleted scenes from movies. <laughs> and, That's uh, awesome. That were deleted for obvious reasons. Yeah. And um, and so, like, we know that the audience is going to call out Titanic most nights. So we have done ty- deleted scenes from Titanic so many times. You know, but we've got a couple that always get a big laugh. And you know that one of the actors is going to, You don't even know who originally did that joke, who originally gets credit for yeah. it. Because now it's just everybody's joke and yeah. it's like plays and it's like football plays or something like you have an idea of what you're going to do and mm-hmm. if it, the situation pops up you'll do it yeah and, and we'll and we'll try to come up with new stuff when yeah. titanic comes up and but uh when everyone's like going uh uh you're like ah, oh, here you come on and so you come out and you yell there's an iceberg and it's gaining on us <laughs> and, and uh you know <laughs> you get your little laugh and you go back and go yeah i'm a i'm a joke whore yeah. <laughs> And you, and, you, and you take it, and the audience laughed. Are we allowed uh, to say that word on yeah, the radio? Yes, we're fine. Yes! <laughs> Only when put in conjunction with joke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, wow. Okay. But, okay. But, but that happens. That happens a lot in improv. Um, in fact, that was uh, one of the funny little, you know, because we have to laugh through our pain. When, when Russ passed away, a lot of us were like, great, now we can finally have our jokes back. <laughs> 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 because, I love it. Because Russ was always the first one to, we'd do things like, you know, World's worst things to our pickup. We do a lot of pickup lines, so pickup yeah. lines at a funeral, and one of the ones was, uh, "So you're single now," <laughs> and uh, and Russ somehow made that his own joke, and we're like going, "That's <laughs> was, that's for all of us. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all of our jokes. Stop taking that one." Wow. But uh, it's it's just this great world, man. Comedy is just such a fun thing, and and with stand up, um, I love it because again, te- uh, improv, so comfortable with it. Oh, because of my years, I. I feel much better about it, but now it's this thing of trying to get the stage time and do yeah. things and uh, keep the improv thing going and stuff like that. But it, it's it, it's fun, and and like Brian can tell you, it's it's just a blast. And you have a book on improv. 
Yeah, I wrote. Uh, it was weird. I wrote back uh, in 2006. I wrote a book on improv. It was just. A, it was. It's called 101 Improv Games for Children and Adults, which sounds like a nothing book, but really, it, it's pretty meaty on teaching improv and how to teach improv to children. And the book actually sold really well. I mean, comparatively, it's not a yeah, New mm-hmm. York Times bestseller, but it. But it sold. Um, yeah, I think uh, about 17,000 copies. Oh, so you moved some units. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. And, so and for a book like that, that's that's pretty huge. And, and what's it called again? Uh, 101 Improv Games for Children and Adults. And uh, and so the... It's the first thing that popped up when I put in a 100 M. <laughs> popped well, right up. Well, this is more encouraging information about the path that I've chosen <laughs> to become a published author. I don't see the comedy thing in my future, yeah. but the writing thing. So... How did that help you, um, you know, being a student here, how did that help you as far as writing your book and everything? Well, the one thing I did while I was here at the EU, one of my favorite things was was taking creative writing classes. I mean, I've always loved writing. Um, and so uh, I took some different writing courses, uh, and that really opened things up for me. You know, here, uh, you know, like I said, in journalism and things like that, there are these rules you have to kind of set for yourself and, and hit these and, you know, the lead and this and that. And But in creative writing, and I... I and I, I don't remember their names now, but I, I had a couple of really good teachers that were really, you know, re- respectful to style. Because mm-hmm. I know I'll throw in way more commas than they're needed and stuff yeah. like that. But to me, in my writing, those commas are, take a breath here, because <laughs> I've obviously written something way too long. And uh, so there are these kind of speed bumps in, in the way I, I would write back then in my short stories and stuff. So really just having something like that. And that wasn't the kind of thing you got in, in high school was, you know, something... Really good because you had people here who had actually done a lot of creative writing and didn't just have an English degree like maybe uh, you might have had in yeah. in high school. Uh, so yeah, I, I just I think you know when it comes to any education, man, just abuse it. Yep. You know that's the one thing I I teach my my kids about high school. Man, at high school it's free, so take whatever electives you want. Yeah. Because you don't know if that's going to suddenly become your career. Uh, you know, learn what you can free. I came right out of high school and went uh, to work for um, is K what is K U E R? No, not the, what's the public radio station in Salt Lake? K U E R. Yeah, yeah maybe it's K U E R. Yeah. Uh, that where where I where I did uh, shows Thursday night, actually like or Wednesday night, technically Thursday morning from like one thirty to two thirty in the morning, uh, and then I ended up, you know, getting professional radio jobs from that. But yeah, just take advantage of what's there for you to use and. Uh, because, uh, and, and especially in college, uh, and, you know, find these these teachers that have done these amazing things, and you know, and take their class, and then suck up to them and gain the knowledge <laughs> yeah. out of them. Because uh, knowledge is just this this king, and it doesn't matter what you want to do. And I had to learn that uh, the hard way. You know, you're never done learning. Yeah. And in journalism, I thought sports writing. I thought I was the be all end all. Once I saw my name in a New York Times, I was like, "Well, wow. I've obviously arrived." <laughs> um, yeah, no w- autographs. I'm here no, till Tuesday. <laughs> uh, you know, no one, no one cared. Uh, and with improv, I learn every single show I do. Wow. And uh, stand up, I learn. You know, and I watch, I watch some of the other performers and stuff like that. And I, I learn from them because I'm sitting there watching how they. You know how they power through a set. I've, you know, I, I've seen Brian where the audience wasn't quite with him, but it's like he just—it was like this sort of screw you attitude. These are my jokes, and I'm going to get. Them. And eventually, the audience uh, accepted that and just and was now with him the rest of the way. Wow! And uh, that's the kind of thing that that you just learn from from watching and doing things you need to do. If you could give any advice to you know someone starting out, you know trying to get into improv, trying to be an entertainer, mm-hmm. you know what you know what could you give them? 
Uh, first of all, I'll, I'll tell you the uh, advice someone gave me uh, one time when I was saying I wanted to do something. He goes, well, stop saying you want to do something. Just say I am something. Whatever yeah. it is you want to do, just start saying that's what I am. And it was weird advice, but, man, it, it really struck true. It's it like, is No, that, that's what I am. It's not what I want to be. I am that. Because if you just want to be it, you'll never be it. Because you're already admitting to yourself that you're not. And you can't. Uh, but you want to do improv. First of all, I would say go see a couple improv shows around town. We've got great, uh, great troops. And look at the style that you think matches the style you want to be associated with. Quickwits is very kind of in your face. We're this dysfunctional family that, that basically is... Um, just making fun of each other the whole time, throwing each other under the bus. We're just this, you're watching this kind of comedy train wreck. And that's our style. And yeah. and I tell people, man, if you've got a thin skin, you don't want to be in the quickwits. Because <laughs> we're going to find whatever thing someone used to kid you about in elementary school, and we're going to pound it like you're in fifth grade all over again. Because mm-hmm. that's funny. sounds so cruel what a jerk I am but but there's a bunch of troops so find the one you like and then approach them about how to get in that troop Uh, quick wits I'm very open to if your goal is to get on stage I'll do whatever it takes to at least get you one shot on stage so that you can see what it's like because Mm. someone did that for me once and um, so same thing stand up you've got uh, you know you've got a couple different clubs now that do Mm-hmm. Uh, open mic nights. Mm-hmm. And I've started trying to get s- into the, some of those again. I hate it, and I've got to go past this ego because yeah. I I hate trying to sign up for two minutes of time. And I'm like going waiting four hours. Yeah, yeah, waiting four hours minutes. to get my two minutes of time. And I'm like going, I could go to my own uh, yeah. theater and do two hours <laughs> worth of time. So I'm not going to waste my time with you people. But again, that's my ego. I've got to I've got to learn to start and, and be humble and pay my dues back up again. Would you be willing to do stand up at one of your improv shows? Yeah, we we've done that a couple yeah. times. Now we've done things where. Our Quickwits actors, we've all been kind of working on stand-up. And so a couple weeks ago, we just had um, a night where our Quickwits actors just did stand-up. And oh. we brought in a couple of uh, local stand-up comedians to you know, you help us make look like a professional show. What, like 15 each? Or? I think it was something like that. The idea was um, it was a two-hour show, and it was uh, trying to figure out. I, only got, uh, I think I did like 45 minutes, but then everyone else did like... Uh, everyone else featured? Yeah. 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 And then they kind of work their way up from there, but oh. and that was to kind of get them uh, set to where they will now, you know, do longer sets, and I can go back to just a shorter set. Now, do you see any difficulty between improv and stand-up? Like, do you see it kind of like crossing over, or like when you're writing a joke, do you like when you write a joke, are you thinking like this is a perfect stand-up joke, or does like is there any crossover? Like, do you find it now that you're writing stand-up jokes, has it affected your improv at all? No, not not generally. Uh, what it's uh, the the two can work well. I mean, you can't write jokes for improv, but when you're writing a joke in stand up, you can start to see more pathways that that joke can take. Because uh, that's what uh, that's what improv really is. It's like you know, it's like the almost choose your own adventure novels, mm. and um, you just turn the page and just start reading. And so in in stand up comedy, I mean, you you can take that and and bring it to a, a whole another level. Uh, one thing I've I've also learned is um, I can work on my jokes with my improv actors, and they're they're really given about oh and then go this way and then go this yeah. way because that's how we work together yeah. as a team. Back in the you know the early days when I was doing stand up, boy you you didn't tell one of your jokes to one of the other buddies at all. No, because first of all they weren't going to laugh at it. Yeah. <laughs> they don't want to admit that that was pretty funny. Yeah, and they won't laugh hoping that you'll like oh you're right that wasn't funny. And then a month later they're like telling your joke. Yeah. Because, uh, 
Like, I don't think that still goes on now, but it sure did back then, boy. I bet. Yeah. No, in fact, I, I I know a couple of my jokes that were that were stolen and got used by big name comedians <laughs> because uh-huh. those people ended up becoming writers for them, and I went. Stole that joke from me. Yeah. How rude. I know. <laughs> but so what What do you got going on this weekend? You got a Quick Wits show coming up? Yeah, we'll be doing Quick Wits uh, Friday and Saturday, uh, 10 o'clock. That's at the Midvale Main Street Theater. Um, I've left a bunch of tickets here um, at the studio. I don't know. Yeah. Tell people to just come up and yeah. they can yeah. grab some of those. Yeah, I can hand them out some of the events we got going on and stuff. No, right? that'd, be, that'd be cool. Because uh, we want you to come out and see a show. I mean, we're only $6 for a student ticket because uh, I, I, I want to – I don't com- compete with theater – I compete with movies. Yeah. And we want you to come and, and have a good time. And I'll give you a free ticket so you can check it out. You know, if you don't like it, uh, you know, if you like it, you know, tell your friends to come back. If you don't like it, just shut up and <laughs> <laughs> don't say anything. <laughs> forget, forget, that, forget that we ever uh, cross paths. But uh, and we've got a bunch of two for one tickets. You know, if you can't make it up to get a free ticket, just tell them you heard it here. And uh, again, because I'm, I'm not there to make money. I haven't made money off quick quits hardly in decades it's your passion it's it's just my hobby yeah, yeah. and if some people would give out free tickets to watch them ski uh that's <laughs> kind of the equivalent <laughs> of me giving out free tickets to watch them uh, watch me do improv but you're really good though like that uh, that's the most surprising thing like it's you're incredibly talented uh, it, it's yeah. a, it's a troop that's talented yeah and uh yeah so and i just stand back and i i get amazed i see we just had one last week we did a, uh, just a real quick one to give you how something comes out of nowhere we were playing a game that was kind of like coming attractions we just make up a movie and make the actors be certain celebrities and i did this i wanted a, an idea of uh, I, I wanted to challenge the other team to a comedy cop you know buddy picture mm-hmm. and i just gave one of them had to be bill cosby and one of them had to be arnold schwarzenegger hmm. arnold and it turned out to be the funniest bit i have ever seen in fact we're now going to film it as kind of a rush hour four kind of thing oh cool cool <laughs> i mean just a trailer for it but these two actors nailed the impersonations and just made it so funny this whole idea and and the guy playing the narrator even said uh, you know you'll see this you'll see this and you'll see a continuous stream of uh i guess something you know of uh, incomprehensible sounds <laughs> and, you know, and the guy doing bill Cousins, and then you take the <laughs> and they were just yelling at each other in the car on their way to get to the and I was just going this is just magical moments yeah um, uh, you got me want to do my Bill Cosby impression I want, I want to hear your Bill Cosby impression let's hear it um, <laughs> uh, oh, he's well Phil see, you gotta go and get me a pudding pop <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Yeah, yeah, there you that go. Was terrible. That's your audition. <laughs> <laughs> You're in. <laughs> yes. Awesome. So, when is this musical impersonation show uh, or uh, musical, musical improv? improv show? Sorry. Yeah. So, so that's gonna be out. Uh, that'll be out September 19th. Uh, to be honest, I can't remember the exact address. It's like mm-hmm. it's in the park at. Uh, I will be posting Western. it on the blog and on the Facebook right, wall. You guys will know it all. I'll find that. Get to it. That's yeah. pretty cool to come see a group of actors try to create a musical out of yeah. nothing. Um, and then uh, also I, I was going to say that uh, I actually wrote a, a second book to the one that's out, and that'll be out uh, supposedly in the next couple of weeks on, on wow. Amazon. We'll have cool. 101 more improv games. Oh, and uh, about the book on Amazon, it is 101 improv games for children and adults. Right now the paperback is 1146. Yeah. Yeah. What, what is it ranked on Amazon? This it's, is cool. Let's see here. <laughs> You have 13 customer reviews, all like very I'm positive. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. <laughs> and, and your uh, family. No, there's a there's a rank, and this is yeah. This is kind of cool. This is egotistical for me, but I don't the know. rank Amazon's bestseller rank. You're 89,156 in books. See, and that's out of like a five billion but, books yeah. or five million <laughs> books or something like yeah, that. Yeah, so. it's um, 
76, number 76 in books under parenting and relationship under family activities. Is that? Because wow. <laughs> that's what I wrote it for. I wrote it for family activities. No, but I, uh, that, that to me, what, what I love about, and it, it's very egotistical for me because I do check that rank. At mm-hmm. one point it was ranked like 6,000th. Oh, wow. And I like threw a freaking party. I, me, you mentioned it on Facebook. I okay. remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I was like, I mean, I was, and, and it is, it was just this, this moment of, because that, that was as good as being number one in the world to me. Because yeah. I mean, just think there's only, you know, six thousand books that are selling better than your stupid little improv book. It's incredible. But but that, that's a good book though if you want to learn how to teach, if you want to learn how to, to do some of the stuff. Well, my son likes to be funny. I think I'm going to pick it well, up. Bring, bring it, yeah. bring him, bring him at least a quick wits and let him uh, let him see what goes on there. Said, my son likes to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> you it. say he likes to be funny, but he doesn't accomplish it most of the time. <laughs> no, no, I'll tell you, my children. I don't know what is my children have impeccable timing yeah. for comedy, and that's the biggest part, man. The timing, man. Yeah, and. I sit there and just go, wow, because I, it took me a while to kind of develop that. Well, I don't know, but maybe I always had it, just didn't know what it was. But no, I maybe you pre-programmed them to do it. I think know? so. I think there's there's <laughs> DNA that's uh, about comedic timing. But uh, I I will watch my kids perform any day because they're hilarious. So me. if people want to contact you, where can they contact you? Oh, uh, they can uh, they can look me up on on Facebook. I'm pretty easy to to grab there. Uh, right on Facebook, Bob Bador. Uh, you can go to Quickwits. Uh, we're, we, uh, in our Facebook page, we're about to launch a new QuickWits website uh, that'll be qwcomedy.com, and that should be up in the next week or so. We're, we actually decided that we were going to be professional about this whole thing again. Nice. And, nice. <laughs> nice. And do that, but uh, well, there's awesome. a lot of ways. Awesome for coming in, man. This, hey, is, this has time. been great. Um, all the information about QuickWits will be available on our website. And Thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming in. Sasha, you want to go to break real quick? Uh, yeah, let's go to that thing though so we don't get in trouble This is Keith Stubbs, comedian, entrepreneur, actor, and failed radio personality, and you're listening to Old Ute Radio. This is Brent Hunsaker, ABC4 News. You're listening to KUTE Radio. And welcome back to Old Ute Radio. I'm Johnny McKeon. You can follow me on Twitter at Johnny McKeon. You can also follow Sasha, Mr. Doom and Gloom at Mr. Underscore Bloom. That's B-L-U-M-E. You can also follow us on our Facebook page at Old Ute Radio with Johnny McKeon and Sasha Bloom. You can also email us at Radio at Gmail. Dot com. That's O-L-U-T-E-R-A-D-I-O at gmail.com. <laughs> With us earlier, we had Bob Bedor in the studio, a master what improv. What a delight he is. He really was. It was a good time. Uh, it was fun. We uh, we got us uh, <laughs> a uh, another guest in the studio. Uh, he's very funny. He's very interesting. He's... um. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like out of breath. <laughs> I don't know why, but suddenly I was just out of breath. It sounded like you were lying. <laughs> oh, boy. Make Very. more edit work for me. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. So that voice you're hearing is the local comedian, Brian Pope. Hello. Brian, he hit the scene in early 2011, and he's 
taken off in a way that normally takes years. So far, he's become one of Salt Lake City's premier headliners. He's built a large fan following, sold out crowds, and broken venue records for attendance. He's even produced a comedy album. So you're from, uh, so where are you from, man? And and I didn't write that bio, by the way. <laughs> yeah, who wrote no. the bio? No, nah, it was me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm from uh, Middletown, Maryland, originally. What are you doing? When did you move to Utah? Yeah. <laughs> you know, I haven't quite figured it out, but I'm leaving. So. Oh, you're going to New York? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you're supposed to put me in your trunk or something like that. That's what we talked about <laughs> last week. Because I want to get the heck out of here. <laughs> Come with me, man. Yeah. Anyone. Can I, I have to point out something real quick that I sure. thought was hilarious on my way in here is that the water fountain right outside this door <laughs> says, please do not wash your dishes in the water. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a problem with that. <laughs> Happens quite a bit. That's how the University of Utah rolls. Yeah, they just repaired a glory hole in the bathroom. So. Oh, man. <laughs> Repaired or enhanced. <laughs> the hole's bigger. Because <laughs> I just came... No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So tell us, man, what, what prompted the move to New York? What? Uh, well, it's just one of those things, man, where it's, it's I guess I, I take uh, this comedy thing seriously. Sure. And there's there really is no, uh, I hate to put it this way, but really no future to just stay in a small market like this if mm-hmm. you want to do something with it. Because you're just not going to, bottom line is you're not going to make money. Not that I'm going to go to New York and just start making money sure. and all of a sudden, yeah. you know what I mean? But um, it's just, it's. It's the next level. Yeah, it's the next level. You got to go to a big market. It's it's literally, in my opinion, it's impossible to stay in a town like this and make a career out of it unless you're uh, constantly on the road mm-hmm. or really that's about it or own a comedy club. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, you need to go where the business is. You need to go where the business takes you. And I feel like it's taking me to New York. So why New York over Boston or Los Angeles or even Austin, Texas? Yeah. Uh, one, I don't ever really want to go to Texas for any reason. <laughs> uh, that's that part. Texas or uh, Boston. I hate the Red Sox, so I'm not going there. Oh, he's wearing an Orioles shirt right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, I can tolerate the Yankees. Uh, L.A. is. I, I'm just not an L.A. person. Yeah. I don't know how to explain. It. Like I, I not, hate L.A. I know yeah. exactly what you're talking about. I'm just not a Los Angeles kind of person. Not a. And, and it's it's harder out there. The way I, I see it, I guess, and from people I've talked to and things that I've learned is is New York will make you better, uh, a better comic, and then go to Los Angeles when the industry takes you there yeah. kind of thing. I mean, I haven't experienced that yet, so we'll see. But I just feel I'm just more of an East Coast guy, man. It's more, I guess, raw. I don't know, it's like how I like my rap. I'm a a Wu-Tang Clan kind of guy. Uh, Awesome. More than an NWA guy. So do you mean Long Island or do you really mean the Manhattan scene? Mean New York City, Manhattan, uh, the boroughs. Um, I'll be living in Manhattan. How great is that? How old are you? It's great, 26. That's a great age. You have no kids, no No kids, none of that. And if I don't go now, that's (laughs) that's going to change. Yeah, I'm going to accidentally have a few. Drink too much water. (laughs) (laughs) You're not going to learn from the first one. (laughs) You're going to have a few. (laughs) Rule number seven is you have to set up franchises. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. So, um, yeah, New York. um, How long have you been doing comedy? Uh, two and a half years. Well, coming up on three, I guess. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because you've got you've got one thing I've noticed because I've watched you. Your stage presence is really solid. Like you, Thanks, you man. look like you're having more fun up there than we are. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's sort of the thing that uh, that 
I guess is kind of unique to for me is that I I always had the presence. I had the presence before I had anything else. Yeah, before you had anything to say, you just yeah. yeah. Like my very first open mic, I went up there and just did it. Just nailed it and that's the thing I had. I didn't really have jokes. I didn't really learn the technical part of writing joke. That that came later. It was more of just going up there and talking and, and that's kind of always been maybe it's my downfall too is that when I get up there I you know my attitude is hey if you're not going to laugh I'm going to make sure you pay attention. Yeah. You know what I mean? So and I I do that with sort of a demanding kind of presence on stage. It's yeah, it's kind of weird. I had it first. It's, which is I guess yeah. I, I feel like most people don't have most people, you know, write material um, and then they go test it and they have to get over that nerves of being on stage. Me, it's more like I come up with an idea and then I go on stage because I already know I have the presence and try to figure it out. You know who they said that same thing about? Who? Dave Chappelle. Whoa. They said Dave could just be on stage like when he was 16 and the presence was there before he had any jokes yeah. or anything to say. And maybe that, that could be subconsciously where I get it from because he's he's like my favorite comic. He's one of my heroes in comedy yeah. so i just love dave Chappelle so yeah, much I, sometimes i find myself emulating him on stage yeah. too. i love dave i love him but death. yeah i mean um i really i try to emulate bob adore as much as possible so has bob been an influence no, no that was a lie <laughs> <laughs> so yeah speaking of bob so he, was, he mentioned something about you you got him to swear on stage or I did. Try to tell the story without swearing. I, Keep in mind, we I'll are tell the story without yeah. swearing, and uh, you, <laughs> Utah kids are gonna love this. So, Bob is from. I think he's from Utah County. If he's not, he's most certainly acts that way. Um, he's very conservative dude. Like he doesn't really cuss a lot. Like he's a way cool dude. I really like uh, working with him and hanging out with him and stuff. But as far as our comedy goes, it's polar opposite. You know what I mean? Like he's family friendly. I'm most definitely not. No, you're not at all. <laughs> not you're not at all. all. <laughs> not at all. And if yeah. you if you want to if you want proof, go to my YouTube channel and let your kids watch it. Yeah, listen, so, <laughs> listeners, for those you know off the mic, I had to, I reminded him about three four times. No swearing. <laughs> uh, but he, <laughs> so we did uh, K Town Comedy, which is a, a once a month show at Club DJs. And Steve Kings. McNally does Ste- that. One, right? Yeah, Steve McNally. Yeah, McNally. And. Uh, I made a rule that every single person that got on stage had to say a curse word followed by the phrase BYU. <laughs> it started with an F. Yeah. And I made uh, every single person had to say it. And even Bob said it. And you could tell he was so uncomfortable saying it. But he said it and he screamed it. He owned that mic. Did he? He owned it? He, he didn't yelled like struggle? It he didn't no, like, he like, like just mess like, it up? Say BYU first? Yeah, he wasn't just like, eh, BYU. He was like, no, BYU. I'm pretty sure he's an alumni too. So it was like really funny. So, and uh, that's how I feel about uh, the BYU football team compared to the Utes. Well, they awesome. sure looked like it last really, week. Really, though, I'm not I'm not a fan of either. I just want to your people to you're, like me. You're, <laughs> you're a Baltimore Ravens fan, I assume. Yes. Yeah. Very diehard Baltimore yeah, Ravens you fan. You think they're going to repeat this year? Uh, I think they're going to repeat every year. <laughs> <laughs> so Flacco, he is the long-term solution for quarterback? Flacco is the long-term solution for quarterback. We need to find you a new murderer to be captain. Uh, there's at least four <laughs> on every team. Yeah, the ball boys got some priors. Yeah. <laughs> We've all got an Aaron Hernandez or a Ray Lewis <laughs> on our team. The difference between that, though, is that Ray Lewis was like, 
preaching about murdering. He was just like, let's go kill him. Let's do it. What time is it? Murder. And then Aaron Hernandez is just like doing it. He's like, man, I'm just going to kill this guy. I'm going to try to get away with it. Apparently he's on P... Yeah, He's from like Bristol, Connecticut. Yeah. Have you ever thought Connecticut and gang like cartel? Not, not till just ESPN. Yeah, I just think like, oh, ESPN's there and rich people. And Fifty Cent gang in the world. Yeah, and Fifty Cent probably owns a house there. Yeah, he owns Mike Tyson's house. In does he really? Yeah. Okay, so so Fitty's chilling out there. I, I never think like aside from his house that yeah. crazy stuff's going on. Oh, I, know, I bet 50's not doing PCP and Angel does. I don't know, man. Yeah. I bet he is. <laughs> <laughs> I did before I came. Thank you. So uh, um, you did a comedy last night at the Complex, right? Yeah, they man. Do a, they do a Tuesday night show. It's free, 21 and up. Uh, it's 100 South right next to Gateway Mall. Yeah, uh, 536 West, 100 South. There you go. How was that? It was awesome, man. It, it was a great send-off to uh, Buck the Bartender. It was his last night. Oh, really? Yeah, he's no longer going to be there. And then uh, it was my send-off as a host. <laughs> they, they sent off the bartender before you? Was he on the <laughs> building? <laughs> uh, no, I got there, and he's like, yeah, it's my last night. Do you care if I go up and talk a little bit? I'm like, no, dude, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. And he did, and he killed it. Like, he just told some stories. It wasn't really jokes. They were just really hilarious stories. Cool. And then... Uh, it was also my final night uh, ever hosting that show, which I've done quite a bit. And uh, so I will no longer be hosting that because I'm moving to New York. I'm probably going to be there one more time, yeah. uh, at least before I go. But You also, don't you have a show coming up on the 14th or something? Yes. 14th at Five Monkeys Bar is the Peace Out Pope show. Where's the Five Monkeys Bar at? Five Monkeys is Midvale, 48, Murray. yeah, Murray, 4800 South, 7 East. That's not 700. It is 7 the number seven <laughs> everyone always goes to, when i tell them the address they always go to seventh it's a really fun bar they they always got a good poker scene there there's cute oh, yeah. ladies that are always there oh beautiful women it's yeah. awesome there's a, a this awesome stage there and i produce a comedy show there every month which is going to be taken over by another local comic jason harvey jason harvey's taking over yeah jason awesome. harvey's going to be taking over yeah so i'm trying to get jason on i'm trying to get him on for glass-eyed dog we're still sorting out the you uh, should you yeah. should also talk to him about doing this show live at five monkeys someday yeah, Ooh. yeah. We're going to be hosting the comedy carnival. Yeah, we're going to be rem- doing some remotes oh, from the dude. carnival. Yeah, the yeah which you're awesome. also headlining. Yes. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm not. Oh, you're featuring, yeah. but I'll be. Yeah, I'll be uh, part of the first night. The bar we'll crawl. Be drinking buddies. Yeah, dude. Exciting. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Once I start, I don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me a little bit about hosting, man. Like, what have you learned in dude. your experience hosting? Hosting, okay. Like so. some do's and don'ts. You know, break it down for me, man. All right, do's and don'ts. So hosting's tough. Uh, first off, it is not about you. Uh, that's something I really struggled with when I first started. Like, at the, I wouldn't end a show when I first, like, the first few times hosting. Mm-hmm. I would keep going because I just wanted to get stage time. Like, oh, I yeah. didn't want to get off the stage. <laughs> Greedy. I just, yeah. It, uh, but that's one of the things you have to realize when you're a host. It is not about you. So do not take over the stage. Uh, don't upstage, you know, the comics coming on. Don't get too drunk which I do a lot. <laughs> like, you don't want to drink too much. I never drink and joke. That's my motto that I break. <laughs> that you don't do. That I don't do. Never oh, drink man, and I've joke. had some terrible... Ugh. Oh, we'll get to those in and, a minute. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so tell us more about hosting, then we'll get to your embarrassing stories. Hosting is... It, it's a different animal. You can't always come... I can't always come out and start talking about 
uh, how the Power Rangers are a blueprint for white capitalism or, <laughs> you know, I can't just jump out and start talking about how my nephew ruined my life because he was born on my birthday, which is true. <laughs> you know, like I can't just come out with darkness like that. Like it's got to be high energy. You can't go like it, my voice is kind of monotone and deep. So I got to come out there and be like, yeah, you know, and like start yeah. screaming and, and uh, it's got to be high energy. Uh, you have to keep the crowd focused. If someone bombs like totally bad, yeah. you need to bring them back. You need, you need to pick up the pieces. Pick up the pieces. It's your job to also keep the show rolling. Always time it. If you don't time it, the show's going to go way late. Your audience is going to get exhausted, and so are the comics. And they probably not want to come back. Yeah, they might not want to come back every time you're hosting. Uh, one of the things I love about hosting is picking my own comics to perform. Uh, and I, I like to I, I kind of have a formula for it okay you you pick a couple that you really want to see because I'm a fan of comedy and I just like watching it so I pick a couple uh, seasoned ones that I like to watch and then I pick usually a couple newer guys who I'd also enjoy seeing but I, that I know are going to bring out a lot of people right because when people are newer to the scene they don't really have a lot of shows which stages aren't exactly all over the place in this town um, they're going to bring a lot of people to come see them do that 10 to 15 minute set. So that's kind of a, it's a, from a business standpoint, the way to go, mm-hmm. in my opinion, like get a couple season guys, a couple new guys. That way um, there will be an audience and you'll get to watch, you know, new guys and season guys do uh, good comedy. So drinking on stage, <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Here's the thing. What did you do? <laughs> okay. My first time at the complex, I was so drunk. <laughs> and this was like my second time doing stand-up. And I just made a complete fool of myself. And I have the video, and you can hear Christian Piper, who's another yeah, comedian, just laughing guy. at how stupid <laughs> I am. And then my first time at K-Town. I wasn't able to win K-Town over for a year. Really? It took me a whole entire year to actually do good there. And it's because they have a free tab. <gasps> and it's like, dude, <laughs> really? <laughs> what are you doing to me, Steve? <laughs> so they have I, a free tab for comics. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh, yeah. That's where you want to perform. Don't. Oh, that's a recipe for tab. disaster. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I was, I was opening for Christopher Stevenson in Toy Soup. Yeah. And uh, I made such a horrible impression on them. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and I just went up there, just obliterated, out of my mind. And then I was known as the drunk comic uh. for the first year of doing stand-up. I was known so as the drunk comic. Is that you a would hindrance? get hammered and go on stage. Hammered, dude. Yeah, sorry, Sasha, like, what are you saying? Hammered. Is that a hindrance to be labeled as a drunk? I mean, drunk comic because you have so many, so many people in the 80s yeah. and 90s. Yeah, that yeah but the difference is, is that they're usually not that drunk when they go up there. They get drunk while up there. But Candace with me, I pretty bad, though. Yeah, but I was doing it like... <laughs> He's got such personality. Like I don't, I don't know. I don't you need help it. going up the steps, like to the stage. Yeah. and it's like a lot of people drink it because of liquid courage. With me, it's just like no, I just want to drink. Liquid <laughs> obliteration. Like my veins need alcohol before I start throwing up. <laughs> so, uh, I alcohol yeah, transfusions. Man. Dude, I've I've done that so many times, but I've learned a lot from it, and I've learned how to really control that type of thing. And um, you know, never drink and joke. I try not to do it anymore. And, 
So tell me about New York. Um, do you know where you're staying yet? Like what? Yeah, I'm gonna stay with a friend for a couple weeks while I work out getting a place of my own or with some other people. Or a, a closet of your own. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. It's no New doubt. York. Yeah, no, no doubt. Joke. It's gonna be a closet of my own, but I I imagine I won't be spending very much time. Do you have any yeah. gigs set up yet or out there? Uh, no, I don't really have any gigs. Uh, just friends that are out there, comedy friends mm-hmm. that will uh, you know, help me out, help me yep. get started. Sounds it's gonna right. be different. It's starting from the bottom all over again um but yeah there's potential though to do like six sets a night if you can do it no exactly it's like what i always tell people is that salt lake city we're spoiled with the amount of time we get on stage in new york you're spoiled with the amount of stages you get so you can keep hitting that you know in one night you could do a bunch of small four minute sets that make up your whole 30 and then you could do those every single night at like six different mics as opposed to here where it's like okay there's what two open mics a week uh random ones from here to there you know and then just just the opportunities in here the bonus i see with having the new york system of like the six sets is that you could you could start out with a bit and then have it polished by the end of the night absolutely Yeah. yeah that's you know one of the things i notice about guys from back east is when they come i always pay attention to how technical they are you know what i mean i'll I'll hit someone on the shoulder and be like look at the way he's holding the mic we need to do that you know (laughs) look look where he's holding the microphone look look how he's look how tight he is do you know why it's because he lives in a town where he can be tight like that yeah uh nothing wrong with salt lake city it's just not the town for that business well it's you've you've you know you've really you kind of hit the ceiling here you know yeah yeah you, you have like you're you're a big name like i've heard about you before I even started doing comic, like oh well, thank you. Well, no, yeah, you, you know they say don't do it like that guy. Or like, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, like I could, I could totally see like this is the most logical step. Yeah, just moving that, moving on up. It's the it's the only possible thing I can do. Like if I don't, not only am I going to regret it for the rest of my life, but I'm going to be depressed, and mm-hmm. I really don't want to do that. Like if I don't get on stage in a couple weeks, I get depressed. It it's something I have to do at this point, and that's when you really know that you know, you should go for it, I think, is when it becomes something that you absolutely have to do uh, to the point to where, like, it makes you sick. Maybe that's unhealthy. No, I have, I'm <laughs> having that same crisis because I left a newsroom a month ago to start with the Pac-12 and ESPN. Yeah. And I have a game tomorrow, and I don't know my call time. And I'm calling everybody I know, and I'm not getting callbacks because... They're busy as hell. Yeah. And it's like, I got to get, what am I doing? What time do I, (laughs) help me. Yeah, I've heard more about his job than I hear about my own stuff (laughs) in my job. Yeah, it's just, that's exactly how it is. So it's, it's, you you know, you reach a pinnacle, you do everything you can. Um, I definitely have a lot more to learn, many, many, many more years of practice. But, but New York's a perfect place to grow. Yeah, exactly. You've got everything there. I mean, you've got the best museums in the world, the best theaters, the best, Entertainers, the best comics are there. You yeah, know? yeah, like, exactly. I love New York comics. Like they're Me too, amazing. Man. Yeah, you know? like all of them, dude. From yeah. Seinfeld to Chris Rock to Chappelle, Chappelle, everybody. You know? uh, Jimmy even Norton. Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's a yeah. he's a New York guy too. Steve you know? Byrne. I mean Louis C.K. Yeah, the Jim comedy Norton, seller, man. Like, Jim Helen Norton. Stern. Yeah. Yeah, big boys. that's where it's at, and I just love. I, I'm just an East Coast guy, man. So, what do you? What, what's your goal? You want to do comedy for the next as a career? Do you want to get in television? Do you want to? Yeah, I don't. You know, long term goals. I haven't quite. <laughs> You're just playing. Set. It I, I, I mean, I have a lot. Like, you know, I'd like to eventually uh, star in things mm-hmm. and and 
uh, write and work a lot more behind the scenes with stuff too uh, as far as producing and directing and, and I would love to be on TV I would just love to do any of it to be honest with you like there's not one specific thing where I'm like man I need to like be in Star Wars which I should JJ <laughs> <laughs> oh he listens so that's yeah, yeah. Uh, this is his favorite show <laughs> uh, not it should there's be. not really <laughs> one specific thing I just the, in the whole broad scheme of things mm -hmm. I would love to tr to try it all you know what I mean I would love to be on TV I would love to perform I would love to have a stand-up special really all it all it's about now is is doing stand-up and producing as much content mm -hmm. as I possibly can um, to get noticed and keep building that uh, sort of fan base yeah what was that, sir? I have no clue. <laughs> Dude, I thought you were doing that. Like, I was going to go into this speech. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I don't know where that popped up from. I don't either. That That's was funny. weird. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> uh, this is how we do it at Katie. For once, it was not my fault. I didn't even touch anything. It just went on. Dude, you guys so unprofessional. I know. <laughs> sorry. I'm sorry. No. Um, <laughs> if this happened with Bob Bador, he would have left by now. <laughs> Probably would have started singing. <laughs> what did his shirt say on it? What uh, did it say? Chuckarama or something. <laughs> it was a, it was a comedy Thing. I, yeah. I couldn't really read it because the way he was sitting. Bob was wearing a silly shirt, and I couldn't really read <laughs> it either. For for listeners out there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, New York. So, so yeah. wait, how much? So um, uh, you know, what's your? Can I ask you what your process is like for writing? Yeah, like, man. Um, I'm still really, to be honest, I'm still trying to figure out what my process is because I'm lazy. Yeah. Here's the thing: if I actually sit down to write, that is when like nothing comes to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of my stuff just comes randomly, like something will happen or I'll just be driving, uh, all the good stuff anyway. So it's really hard sometimes for me because I have such a short attention span yeah. that it's just really hard for me to sit down and write. Um, lately, I've been trying a new process of not even bringing a notebook out because yeah. uh, people bring that and I feel like it's a crutch. It is. And uh I've been coming up with premises and trying to figure it out on stage. I don't really know if that's the best thing for me to do. So my process is all over the place. Yeah. I do all sorts of things and it's, it's weird how I pump out material, but I do. I mean, half of it sucks in my opinion. But. Do you, do you want to hear kind of my process? Maybe yeah. I, I used to have kind of like the similar thing you were talking about where it's like you sit down to write and you can't think of anything. Right. So what I've been doing is I keep a notepad in my pocket and I'll write down an idea when it comes to me throughout the day. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the week, I sit down with that notepad and I'm able to really kind of map out a joke. Yeah, that's that's another thing that I do, too, is I just write down stuff. I'm like, oh, that could be a joke. Oh, that could be a joke. Yeah. Or maybe I could turn that into a joke. Um, and I write it down in my phone. And, uh, you know, it, but as far as sitting down with all of it and trying to pump out stuff, I don't really do that as much as I should. Yeah. But, you know, it's it comes. And how much time do you think you have? Like, do you, you got an hour? You got a. Uh, I have an hour. If you were to ask me how much solid time I have, I would say forty-five, yeah. maybe. That's solid. That's all you need. You know. Yeah, that's, but that's yeah. Even that. I mean, I mean, people say I think you have a solid forty-five. In my opinion, uh, I probably should only be doing 30 <laughs> <laughs> so you can do 45 yeah if yeah. i'm gonna get paid to do 45 i will if i get paid to do 60 i will but yeah. i'm not gonna guarantee all of it you good. see jimmy norton just came out with another album yep. last week yep yeah. that's his second or it's his third and fourth year four yeah. years well that's yeah that's that's, a, that's kind of the thing that 
a lot of them are doing now mm-hmm. because they're not making as much money as they used to yeah. with the, with the internet and everything. They got to keep pumping out. But that turnaround is quick, man. man. It's like authors; they have to pump out. Dean Koontz has to do six novels a year instead yeah. of just one every two. Dean yeah. Koontz, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I haven't thought about him in forever. I've never read one of his books. But, uh, <laughs> you know that fun fact. Like, I just know that fun fact. I don't even know where it came from. You sure are you flexing right now? No, I'm stretching. <laughs> he's a he's a lazy boy. I'm stretching. Yeah. It's hard to sit still I'm ADD <laughs> Sasha you're lucky you're here my feet would have been up by now <laughs> <laughs> and I would have been walking out that door <laughs> oh man it's my new policy dude your stretch is hilarious it yeah. totally looks like you're just like oh, yeah. look at my muscles yeah, yeah you know it's just uh, you know <laughs> yeah it worked out I was a lineman in high school so <laughs> yeah I was could have um, gone to college but uh, dumb jock my bum knee <laughs> got a scholarship to snow <laughs> 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 it didn't work out, you know. Got cut. So. Yeah, thought about going on a mission. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's awesome. So yeah. okay, okay. So um, a lot of comedians say uh, we've had a lot come in. I listen to stand-ups all the time. Mm-hmm. They talk about how it takes years and years and years to become successful. Right. You seem like you're on a quicker clock. Uh, uh am I inner accurate as saying that, or is um, is this I don't your know. I don't know if it's necessarily that I'm on a quicker clock. I'm just doing what I'm supposed to at the right time. Uh-huh. If that makes He's sense. He's committed. I, I'm yeah. I'm fully committed to doing it. I guess is the thing that that a lot of people will stick around for way too long and then they miss their prime. Uh, like they'll stay in one place and you know they'll dream about moving or, or going somewhere, doing something, and they just never do. The are opportunity there, for growth becomes stagnant. Are yes. there a couple of uh, men in this stand-up scene that are doing that right now because I, I have a mm. couple in my head that we don't want to name names no I'm not so. going to oh, but okay. is uh, yeah, yeah there's I mean I'm sh- most definitely yeah. in my opinion a lot of people should move like we should all just go together yeah. I, I just want to round them all up and just throw them in the back of a pickup truck and well, drive them. It's like my personal model is you got to stretch yourself thin to give yourself room to grow. Yeah. And when you, you know, like when it stops being challenging, you got to move on. Like you always kind of got to stay in deep water, you know, and moving to New York, yeah. that's the best thing for you. Yeah. Like I've seen you perform. Like I know it. Like I believe this is the right move for you. Yeah, I wouldn't say that for everyone. I wouldn't. But like watching you and just my experience, especially my experiences in New York, I think it would be perfect for you. I think you're at the right age. You know, I think you yeah. have enough of the presence. Like, I think it's the best move you could be making right now. Sweet, man. Thank you. Appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, that's from the heart, man. That's the truth. And you know what, too? There's a, there's a lot of local comics that I think need to get the heck out of here, but simply can't because of, you know, children and mm-hmm. things like yeah. that. And, the life. And that's yeah. understandable. But, but if you don't have any of that stuff, you need to leave and never come back. Can you be a national headliner with your base camp in Salt Lake? Is that possible? Could I? Can can people? Because you don't. People? You don't. There's really, some big I mean, guys. Keith Stubbs and Ryan Hamilton came out of Salt Lake City. He's yeah. a national headliner. He just got. I but just heard he got passed at the cellar. I just heard that. That's gonna be not funny. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now I I I really don't. I really don't believe. Uh, I'm really not trying to sound. No, no. Uh, it's hard Tell to say. Tell the truth, man. It's all good. Yeah, man. To be completely honest, no. It's yeah. not. I mean, even some of the people you mentioned, like that's not national headlining. That's headlining the Midwest. Yeah, you exactly. know what I mean. Um, it's possible to go on the road and headline, um, and not and and make a fine living probably, without really having a lot of credits. But 
I mean, that's going to be, you know, you're not, it's going to be rinky dink bar here and rinky dink bar there. So the sky's the limit for you. You want to go as far as you possibly can. Yeah. Like you want to, you want to, you want to be on Conan. You want to be on Letterman. You want to do it. Absolutely. Like, like the dreams of the people from the seventies and eighties are the dreams I have now. Yeah. Um, get a sitcom. Well, I don't know about that, but, uh, now it's a little bit different. Um, but yeah, I would love to be on those things. Do those credits mean much nowadays? Not really. Uh, but I would love to do it because that just sounds like fun. Yeah. Like I'm having so much fun doing this. It's ridiculous. Like I get to go and tell people jokes and get free booze (laughs) and get drunk and make a fool of myself and wake up next to a bartender that looks like a bumblebee. (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) He just trails off Bumblebee. <laughs> now come see my act and you'll see what that means. <laughs> okay, definitely. I'll explain it to you. You said you're a big Dave Chappelle fan, right? Huge Dave Chappelle. Did you fan, see yeah. what happened with him in Hartford, Connecticut this weekend? Yeah. Hear what happened? Yeah. But so uh, what happened is he basically was bombing. He was yeah. getting heckled unmercifully, and he was paid a certain amount of time and basically just sat on stage for 20 minutes and actually did the kind of the Andy Kaufman routine of yeah. reading a book. Yeah. 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 I. Uh, I don't know. I'm that that's just a, it's hard. I can't even imagine what it's like to stand in front of ten thousand people and all of them are just heckling you. Like that's got to be, that's got to make someone mad. Bill Burr handles it yeah. good. <laughs> yeah, check out Philadelphia. Um, yeah. uh, Chappelle actually, right before his big meltdown, he had a show in Sacramento. Yeah, and I I couldn't go because I had work, but my buddy went, yeah. and he told me you're, you're talking years ago. Yeah, years ago before this meltdown. But this is this is before he went to, to Africa. Yeah, no, I'm talking about the new one. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. But okay. this this will this will give you some insight into it. He walked on stage, and everyone started yelling, "I'm Rick James, I'm Rick James." <laughs> and Chappelle got so annoyed, he just looked at the audience. He talked to the mic, and he said something like, "You know, the studio execs tell me every day that my like my I have to dumb down my material, mm-hmm. like I have to dumb down for the audience. And right now, you're proving them right." Ooh. And he dropped the mic and left. <laughs> Ten minutes into his his, his set. Nice. Well, I mean, yeah. does he just not does he not have the skin to be a comic? Is that what's going? <laughs> no, nah, man. He's just nah, heckled man. like heckle, heckle, It's not. It's not easy. Comics yeah. are are fragile, uh, vulnerable human beings. Yeah. So, I mean, first off, heckling someone is really not cool at all. Uh, second, I mean, yeah, you got to have a thick skin because you're gonna get heckled but you need to be vulnerable it just depends on the situation like i've i've been booed off stage before you really? know what i mean i've been heckled off stage and how is that embarrassing or is yeah that it's embarrassing it's you know it's a it's a horrible feeling and you know it makes you not want to do it anymore and but you know you just got to collect yourself you know the next day and you're fine but it, all Man, because a joke doesn't work, they just bring you down. It's right? not even necessarily that a joke doesn't work. It's just because they're drunk and acting crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, drunk women are the worst. Ugh. They just scream, Oh my gosh, <laughs> that is so messed up. <laughs> that is so messed up, you're not even funny. Like, you are not. Brad, let's go. <laughs> Brad, <laughs> let's get out of here. Come on, babe. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I just imagine—I I don't know. I—I I, I don't think he deserves to be heckled like that because he's funny. I mean, I'm not a Dave Chappelle apologist or mm-hmm. anything, but yeah. I mean, everyone handles it different. I don't. 
it's just hard. Like, I'm not going to say he did the right thing or wrong thing. Cause I really don't know. Like yeah. I can't imagine what it's like someday. Probably hope. Well, I don't know about probably, but hopefully I'll be in front of 10,000 people. Is there, can you recover once you like get heckled hardcore? Like, have you been able to recover? Like yeah. if you shut down a heckle? Oh yeah. 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 Um, I've been a little bit uh, fortunate to where, again, coming back to the stage presence where depending on the crowd, like even if someone wants to heckle, I feel like they're not going to uh, because I just I, I have this strange way of just keeping their attention uh, through, I guess, motion. I really don't know what it is, man. It's magic. <laughs> it's like on Peter Pan. On the Peter Pan of comedy. I don't even know. I, I can't stop thinking about Peter Pan. So it has nothing to do with anything. Is it the tights that get you? Yeah, I've, I've been playing a Hook on SNES, and I can't stop thinking about it. You busted out the SNES. <laughs> yeah, huh? dude. <laughs> Hook. I love Hook. I yeah. used to play yeah, with the jump meter, and you can only fly so long. Yeah, which is lame. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've been able, able to recover. I've seen comics totally get heckled by the entire audience and still recover you know what i mean that whole bill burr audience yeah. thing check that out bill burr philadelphia just youtube that yeah he uh yeah he, he shuts says f, them yeah. down he says f the liberty bell like he <laughs> just goes out nothing is sacred <laughs> he he shuts ten thousand people down and he doesn't and then he keeps looking at his timer and he's like seven minutes left and just keeps counting as he's going down he's like you're not getting rid of me <laughs> like that is the coolest thing i've ever seen that's funny because they say he's a really talented comedian and i've seen him I can't stand him on radio. Like, I think he is the worst on radio, so I have no interest. <laughs> but I like when he gets in trouble like that. Dude, his stand-up is so unbelievably yeah, funny. He is a talent, think, yeah. dude. So how much crowd work do you do? Not a whole lot. Yeah. Because uh, I'm – my whole act is, is typically – like, I'll talk to the audience a little bit, but it's not all crowd work. Like, some people yeah. do – like, half their act is crowd work, and it totally works mm-hmm. fantastic for them. Me, I'm kind of a storyteller, so – um, the audience, I feel like my audience is typically engaged with me, almost like they're sitting around me Indian style or something. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, I don't. It's more like a listening show, uh, not a whole lot of activity. I, I'd like to start doing a little bit more of that. Because some of the rooms I've visited when I was in New York, it was all crowd work. That's all they yeah. did the entire time. Yeah, that's the thing. And crowd work is fun. Like if you can do it, and I can, I'm totally capable of doing it. I just. Uh, it's not one know. of your tools. Like it's not yeah, the it's first not thing a, you pull out your belt. It's yeah. not. It's not the first thing I pull out. Like the first. <laughs> 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 oh man! <laughs> Just kidding. Awesome. I never pull out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Uh, That's awesome. Radio. <laughs> You're taught not to in this. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, um, do you know what area you'll be living in, or like what borough? Uh, Manhattan is where I want to stay. You, you stay. taking your car or? Nah, dude. Cars you getting the gone. Metro Pass? Yeah, car's yeah. gone. Going the Metro Pass. Nice. Car's gone. Sold it. The purple, the purple Mazda three. The <laughs> Raven Mobile is gone. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you been to New York before? Uh, <laughs> not recently. So, oh, wow. I, if <laughs> if I have, it, I was very young. Do you just sell all your bed, all your everything, and just bring a suitcase? Yeah, in? just sold everything. Just bring a couple suitcases. Wow, just going man. all in. Man. You're going for I it. I like it. Yeah, That's so cool, man. Dude, people tell me all the time, you know, people keep saying, oh, my gosh, you're brave. You're so <laughs> brave for doing that. You're just so brave. And I'm just like, why? And they're like, because you're just moving to like a big city, and it's going to be crazy. 
yeah, it's going to be crazy. It's a big city, but it's not really brave to do something that you're supposed to be doing. It's your job. Like, I'm not scared at all. What what happens? I fail miserably, and then what? Guess what? I'm living in New York City <laughs> yeah. still yeah. with an immaculate resume. Yeah. <laughs> <And> you're homeless <laughs> in a, Central Park. <laughs> with a Fortune 500 resume. So, like, I'll be, I'll be fine, I'm sure. Uh, awesome. Worst comes to worst, I come back. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'd rather not, but you know, other than to visit, I want to turn Salt Lake into my vacation destination. I want to, yeah. I want to appreciate the mountains again. You know, uh, <laughs> to be fair, my family, my dad, and the majority of my family is three hours south of New yeah. York and Baltimore. So, you know, I, you know, I, I've got family out there close enough to if anything happens. It's just, it's not like my family hates me. It's not like I don't have anyone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like. You have support. I, yeah, an, an overwhelming amount of support, too, especially from, uh, like, fans, like, local fans uh, really like me. And, you know, I've discovered that a, lo- uh, a lot of times they say that in your hometown, you're going to be considered nothing more than just an open micer. Yeah. Uh, I really don't feel like that's the case. I feel like people come to see me, and a lot of times it's people who have met me before seeing me do stand-up, come out to see me people from high school or whatever because you know from what they've told me they're like yeah i heard you were doing stand-up and that makes sense so we're coming to see you because this is what we we always imagined you doing i like the confidence it's good to see yeah, I'm not. I'm, I really don't want to sound cocky. What does my bio say? Oh, this thing's <laughs> ridiculous. I had to stop. You want me to read it out loud? This thing. That thing right yeah, there. Yeah, hailing originally from the farmlands of Middleton, <laughs> Maryland, and after spending his teenage slash adult years in the culture shock that is Salt Lake City, Utah, has given Brian a very unique way of looking at the world that he hones into a signature, <laughs> self-deprecating and satirical social commentary <laughs> that is bound to make anyone laugh, even if you do feel sorry for him. Read the read the quote part. Oh, quote okay. Part. People keep telling me I'm too cocky, but the truth of the matter is I'm not cocky at all. I'm just really confident in the way I hate myself. (laughs) I love that. I'm all, read my bio out loud. (laughs) Dude, people do. People think I'm the cockiest person ever. I'm like, really? I don't know why, because I really hate everything about me. You're not conceited. You're just convinced. There you go. Dude, that was the hardest thing anyone's ever seen. Man, I'm not conceited. I'm convinced. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all, I've got tons of little little, little <laughs> liners from the hood. You either ride or you get rolled up. <laughs> Someone's a philosophy major here at the University of Utah. But yeah, it's not that, you know, I don't think that, by any means, I don't think that I'm just going to go to New York and then I'm going to have some crazy, like, people are going to be like, oh my gosh, you should be on Saturday Night Live. <laughs> no. People, I don't expect anything like that. In fact, I don't expect for that to ever happen. I really don't, but I have to try. Could so you work for a Michael Lauren? And Lauren like Michaels. Lauren Michaels? Whatever his name yeah. is, yeah. Could I work for him? Yeah. Yeah? Even though he's that demanding and he's a bully Dude. and he's Dude. A, I don't care. Starting uh, writers make like six grand a month. Dude, I, let me put it this uh. way. I have worked for nothing but rich mm-hmm. yeah, DBs my entire yeah. life. Um, you know what I mean? That's... <laughs> So, so I know I know how to handle them. Yeah. So, real quick before we get you out of here, do you have any advice yeah. for someone starting? Like, uh, you know? just do it. Uh, <laughs> <and> <laughs> Nike. Yeah. Anyone. And when I did it, it was it wasn't a hey I got to go watch stand up and get pumped up so I can like figure out what to do and learn stuff. No, I just walked into Wise Guys Trolley Square and got on stage. You have to just walk in and do it. Yeah. I don't care if you have material or not. Just go in and do it. Try it. See what. 
see if it's something you'd like. Don't expect to be good. <laughs> don't expect anyone to do things for you. Uh, don't pick sides. You know, if don't be either a club guy or a bar guy. Be an all guy. Yeah. Don't pick sides of anyone. Anyone's war is not yours. Don't get involved. <laughs> um, don't hate. Just or discriminate <laughs> uh, just you know have fun like have fun don't get caught up in the bull crap there's so much do you um sausages or what any other <laughs> well, yeah we have someone asking if you uh could do some more hood sayings for us uh <laughs> off the top of my head yes, um sir. you got people texting <laughs> see, I did either ride or get rolled on uh i can't God, I, they all swear. Like I got a, I almost said, I almost, you almost made me swear. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. was that one? Uh, either ride or get rolled either on. Either ride or get rolled on. Yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Man, See? shoot. Yeah, yeah. It's really hard for me not to swear. So I got oh. one. Yeah. No, I don't. Yeah, no, you don't. <laughs> See? See, you don't. Uh, so when's your next show? Uh, when's this? Uh, September fourteenth. I encourage everyone. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We're doing uh, uh, my final show at five monkeys um come out it's gonna be great starts at seven probably really won't start till eight um there's prize giveaways there we're going all out dude we're gonna be giving away passes to the carnival we're gonna be giving away some rob sauce uh <laughs> we're gonna be giving away uh, some k-town dvds oh cool uh oh, you're on that dvd yeah I awesome am. i'm on the dvd uh it's gonna be a lot of fun. I just kind of want to. I know it's lame. I'm throwing my own going away party, but I just. <laughs> what day is it again? I'm sorry. Uh, Saturday the 14th. Yeah. But uh, you know, I just I wanted to ball out, and the only way to ball out is to do it yourself. <laughs> so where can we find you? Uh, what's your Facebook, YouTube, all that? Uh, Facebook.com/slash/bpopecomedy. Uh, YouTube.com/slash/popereaction. P-O-P-E-R-E-A-C-T-I-O-N. That's a throwback to my old punk rock band, Lost Reaction, from back in the day. Oh, nice. Uh, check it out. My Twitter is at bpopecomedy, um, and then bpopecomedy.com. You can you can just go to all of them from there. So awesome. Uh, check it out and watch my videos if you if you like it. I I would love for you to come out and uh, have a beer with me and watch watch some comedy. Yeah, I'm going. And also, while you're in New York, we're gonna have you call in from time to time to check in. Oh, dude, I'll doing. totally call in. Yeah, we got a phone line in here. You'll yeah. be like, "How was stand up last night?" Well, I was booed off stage again. <laughs> yeah. This one guy threw a plunger at <laughs> my face. Yeah, yeah. Some hipster threw a paintbrush at me. <laughs> Some hipster threw like an Apple product at my face, and, and then asked for it back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he threw an entire coffee shop at me. Awesome. Tom uh, shoes just flying at my face. So like always, I'm Johnny McKeon. You can follow me on Twitter at Johnny McKeon. That's M-C-K-E-O-N. Sasha Bloom, your Mr. Underscore Bloom, B-L-U-M-E. You can hit us up on Facebook at Old Ute Radio with Johnny McKeon and Sasha Bloom. You can email us at oldutradio at gmail.com. Sounds good to me. Awesome. Ooh, also, follow KU at Twitter. <laughs> uh, it's at K underscore U-T-E. Yes, sir. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Let's <laughs> Thank you.